Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. Defining Duke, an Xbox podcast is brought to you by, well, you. If you want to learn how to support the show, go to patreon.com slash Media. Salutations, everybody. It is Maddie here today, and welcome to episode 34 of Defining Duke, an Xbox podcast. As always, I'm joined by the lovely live streamer himself, Lord Cognito. What's going on? The Dukes are here. Busy day. Royalty in the building. Oh, Another yeah. Duke. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> hey, he needs no introduction. Jez Corden. Woo! Welcome. Hello. Thanks for having me. It has been quite a day, hasn't it? Got quite yeah, a lot has to been, right? <laughs> Tons of <laughs> I mean, man, I don't think I need to introduce it at all, but Gamescom, Xbox Gamescom, of course, their own separate stream, and then QuakeCon, because the way our show timed out, we had to wait for those announcements. So we thank you for your patience, but also we hope you're ready for a rockin' show. Uh, for those of you who are supporting us over on Patreon, just know that Defining Duke Ultimate episode 30 has gone live. It's our Ascent review discussion and spoiler cast. It's totally positive, I promise. We love that game. Uh, go ahead and check that out if you missed it. You'll also get early access to our show every Thursday at uh, patreon.com slash Media, or if you don't want to, whatever. Uh, free feeds, yeah. Apple, Google Podcasts, wherever you get podcasts, YouTube, Sundays. We accept you. Yeah, free 99 still. Yeah. Later if you want. Yeah, right? I mean, we can't promote Game Pass and be like, talking about free 99 <laughs> and all of a sudden get upset when someone listens to us for free. True, 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 true indeed. <laughs> all right. As always, we like to get to started with five warm-up questions. We want to zoom right into that because we have a lot of news to go over, but we want to make sure that we, of course, include the patrons. So we start off with Joseph Barker. Hey, Duke Dukes, is Psychonauts 2 Xbox's Ration and Clank equivalent? Is it the start of Xbox publishing more first-party platformers? Now, Jez, you and I had chatted a little bit before getting you on the show. You have been playing Psychonauts 2 How'd you feel about this one? Was it as impressive as uh, a lot of people were saying online to you? I mean, I previewed it a while ago and I was like, I was pretty impressed with the preview slice. It was a pretty beefy preview build they they gave to press, mm -hmm. like three, four, five hours, depending on how far out of bounds you went. 
like they had like they had like a set set areas, and I was like, go to this area, but not this area. It's not it's not polished mm-hmm. yet. And I, I just didn't read the email, so I went off playing like <laughs> into areas I weren't supposed to be in. I was like, oh, this is really cool. So, <laughs> but yeah, I, I'm not someone who has a lot of nostalgia for 3D platformers. I kind of went from like 2D platformers to then PC first-person shooters, and I just sort of, I just sort of missed that sort of that whole sort of wave of you know banjo and stuff like that. And I do feel like a lot of a lot of the the clamoring for 3D platformers does come from nostalgia, I think. Um, so for me, I wasn't particularly excited about Psychonauts going in. I haven't played the original, and um, I'm not I'm not from that sort of that sort of 3D platformer culture that Rare and you know other companies sort of built up. That being said, I was pleasantly surprised by like just how awesome the game is from an art perspective, a music perspective voice acting perspective, the writing is just amazing. It's like, mm-hmm. or even if you're not a fan of 3D platformers, there's just so much to love about this game. Like, especially as a child of the 90s, like, even though I didn't play 3D platformers, I did, did watch a lot of 90s, you know, TV shows and cartoons. And this this really does feel like a love letter to that entire sort of mm. culture. So, yeah, it did take me by surprise because I did expect, like, You've got to you got to have some sort of nostalgia to enjoy this game, but that's not the case. But to answer your yeah. patron's question, Microsoft's philosophy about how they commission games is—I mean, this is something they've always said, and they're pretty public about it as well. But they say like games have to earn their sequels, so like you're never going to see a Crackdown Four, I don't think. <laughs> <laughs> because Shit. damn, because I just don't, I just you know I don't think that's ever going to be a thing. I don't think you'll ever see a Rage 3 after Rage 2. Okay, now I'm actually upset. Oh, yeah, you know, feelings now. <laughs> well, I couldn't believe Rage no. 2 even existed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, so, you know, but it ultimately depends on if the game does well. If it gets, like, good engagement, engage pass, which is how Microsoft regards a game doing well these days. If it sells well at retail within their expectations, if it gets loads of accolades and awards, um, that's something they could also see as a driving force to to justify a sequel, even if lots of people don't necessarily pick it up. Because then, like, if if the critical reception is really good, you could argue that the marketing dropped the ball or something. So I do think Psychonauts 3 does hinge on it doing well. But judging by how well it's been celebrated and stuff like that, I would suggest that Psychonauts could end up being another pillar franchise for Microsoft. Does that mean they'll go in and do more of these kind of games, like your banjos and stuff like that? I don't think it necessarily means that we'll definitely get another banjo because mm-hmm. Psychonauts 2 exists because it's Tim Schafer's baby and Double yeah. Fine's baby, and they love that IP. They know it inside out and backwards. Like You can feel mm-hmm. the love yeah. dripping from yeah. every oh, yeah. every pixel oh, yeah. in that game. You really can. And... For Banjo to come back, for example, just taking Banjo as an example, it'd really need a team that was really passionate about Banjo and a pitch that was rock solid. And, you know, there's more stars that have to align. So I can see a Psychonauts 3. I don't think it necessarily means Microsoft's going to go all in on the genre because as we've seen from like other companies, they haven't generally done that well in recent times, you know. Gotcha. I think Ratchet Absolutely. and Clank and Psychonauts are maybe outliers. Right. But 
I could Fair be completely enough. wrong too. That's just my take. I agree. Yeah, because you got games on Game Pass like Super Lucky's Tale, which is pretty good. And so there's clearly an interest there for them. But I don't know if they're going to suddenly start pushing it more and more. Like you said perfectly, it's just you could feel the love in this game where I'm like you. I did not have any previous experience with this. A lot of our patrons wrote in a lot of comments I got were saying like, you got to play first one. Uh, and I wanted to, but I never got around to it, despite it being a pretty short length. For those who are interested, I've heard it's about eight, ten hours tops. And um, you could fire it up on on Game Pass if you wanted to. But I went in blind because there was a recap there, and I thought it would also offer the interesting perspective of, hey, this second one looks great, but I wasn't crazy about the first one. And some of the environmental design and mission design in this game is just phenomenal. It's some Ooh. of the best I've seen in a long while. Like wow. You've got a game show you're a part of at one point. I thought the acting was also just phenomenal. Uh, mm-hmm. That was where I felt there was a separation because... I've said this a lot, and I, I keep beating this drum because I think it's an important distinguishment to make. Let's go. When you look at Ratchet and Clank, to me, I think on a visual level, that's as close as we've gotten to something like Pixar, which was right. a pretty big comparison. But I think on a personality and animation level, I want to say Psychonauts too kind of took that away from me. Wow. Obviously, Ratchet had a way bigger budget. Um, it did much more prettier things, but I just think the the performances in Psychonauts two just were not being applauded enough as they really livened up everything um because on the outside looking in psychonauts looks like this just acid trip of a video game mm-hmm. but as you start getting into the minds of these people it makes a little bit more sense why it's presented this way and how gently it handles its themes uh there's just a lot to love where i think it softens what your initial expectations may be if you were like me looking at it going oh i'm good uh, there's just a lot more than what meets the eye here um where yeah i found this to me was of 2021 being that Pixar like experience. Mm-hmm. It was sort of like a Tim Burton meets Pixar, uh, just based off like the character models and, and the animation. It was, it was just fantastic. I really liked it. Now, Cog, Yo. you and I were talking before, yeah. Um, because you were you were asking me, you were like, Yo, Matt, yeah. what's scoop? And I was like, I'm still liking it. Yeah. So how are you know, I know you haven't played it yet, but right. have you have you garnered some interest now? Oh, is, this, yeah. is this a business decision game for you? Definitely a business decision. I just have a rule where it's like when I'm, well, when we get into the next question about 12 mm-hmm. minutes, you know, about when I'm kind of doing something, I'm dealing with one particular game, then I want to give it that proper time before I just start the new game. And I know right. it's the rage, but I will say this, listen to what Jez is saying about, you know, 90s callbacks and nostalgia. Listen to what you were saying earlier with your initial reviews, because you guys are fortunate to get this thing early and really kind of a deep dive. You know, for me, the thing that surprised me is, like Jez, I came in with extremely low expectations for this game. Like, this was not something that I was on my radar. It was more of, I want to see why people are so passionate about it. And then, obviously, Double Fine, this is something we know that has a, a history. So... The thing that's really streaming to me is the actual, like the intellectual aspect of the game, the psychosis Mm -hmm. of the game, you know, the things that I'm hearing in that regard, I'm hearing that is done extremely well. And when you talk the way you're talking, as well as uh, Jez's amazing co-host, Randall Thor, (laughs) you know what I'm saying? (laughs) Like when I hear you guys bloviate this way and and you guys are so excited that I'm like, all right, this is going to scream to me now. Now I am there for, I'm really interested, especially when you compare it to Ratchet and Clank, because I'll be honest, I didn't think, you know, coming in, I didn't think it would be something that would be comparative, to be honest. I, I didn't know what to expect. And to hear you guys praise it, and I think it's sitting at a 87, maybe 88 at Metacritic right now. And yeah, to see there. the praise this game is getting 
it is really cool to see. So I'm excited for them. I'm excited that Microsoft helped uh, push it across the finish line. Mm-hmm. I'm excited for the future of Double Fine. You know, them now yeah. with resources and a budget and the next project as well. So I'm diving in, man. I just got to get the 12-minute situation yeah. handled. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it's, it's going on. And obviously, I'm a Destiny fan. This is the biggest Destiny we can, you know. Of course. Oh my yeah, God. You're busy. You know what I mean? You're so busy. it's a lot going on. But no, Psychonauts is getting done. That is for sure. Awesome. Yeah, because two other things I wanted to touch on, I mm-hmm. want to know if Jez agreed, is number one, I felt this game was more meaty than I think it ever needed to be. And I don't say that in a bad way. Sometimes a game can fall into bloat, but this game had so much content to it for a 3D platformer. And that's what made the diversity scream to me much more. I was thinking to myself as I was playing, I mean, this is another level that feels and looks and you approach it entirely different from the last. To me, that was so significant. Did you experience that, Jez? I think this is interesting because I've actually been thinking a little bit about this recently. The difference between a sort of a studio published game and a and a sort of double A, triple A sort of game that has been run through Kickstarter seems mm. to be completely different. Because recently I've been playing Pillars of Eternity, which is a Kickstarter mm-hmm. game. And like Psychonauts, which is also a Kickstarter game. Those are games funded for the fans, you know, and they're made for the fans, funded by the fans. And it's sort of it leads to this sort of almost expectation where they have to add all these features that the fans want. It has like this direct feedback loop between what the fans of the Kickstarter investors want and what the game developers want. So it almost like, this is slightly off on a tangent, but I've, I've actually been thinking like, would a Microsoft published Psychonauts 3 mm-hmm. not have as much of this diverse Ooh. array of features? Because this is one thing that I often worry about with Microsoft is this sort of this sort of thing where they're like, I don't want to say cut corners, but they just sort of focus on one, one or two, three maybe core gameplay loops, and then like they sort of cut out extra features. Because I've written an article about this, but actually, mm-hmm. like I have this sort of I have this conspiracy theory that telemetry <laughs> yeah that the telemetry data and you know on usage affects how big publishers approach games and they think like well nobody used this feature in that game so we'll cut it from the next game but mm. i think like if that feature is not there it sort of it decreases the richness of the game even if you don't use it like i always use like mass effect of that uh uh, Age of Empires too, didn't they? During the the stream for the Xbox gameplay showcase extended, they mentioned something about boats being removed, and they're like, oh, fans were upset with Age of Empires too because we thought no one was using them. They mentioned data, and then they said that they added them back in four. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So like that that's a that's a great example. You know, it's like even if you don't sometimes even if you don't use things, just the fact that it's there enhances mm-hmm. your experience. And I think like right. when Microsoft focuses on on telemetry. It only gives them an on-off switch. It's like, did this person use this or did they not use it? And I think Mass Effect is a really great example. They say like 60% of, something like 60, 65%, maybe maybe it was more, players only choose Paragon decisions. So for EA, their telemetry is telling them nobody wants to play a Renegade. So in Mass Effect Andromeda, there were very soft decisions. There was no no Renegade stuff. However- Because there's no Renegade stuff, 
it it reduces the impact of your Paragon decision. Yeah. So like they yeah. they made decisions based on data, but the data doesn't tell the full picture of how those features make you feel, even if you don't necessarily engage with them. Well, so like what well, to loop it back around to the original question. While Psychonauts does might feel like it has a lot of bloat, like it has all the collectible stuff, like tons of collectibles. I hate collectibles. I never do any collectibles. At the same time, <laughs> I, I like that. that they're there. I like that they're there. And it makes me feel like this game has a lot of features that I potentially could use. I probably won't. Mm-hmm. <laughs> maybe that's like maybe that's like a really ridiculous argument to make like i want these features to be there even if i don't want to use them it makes you feel less limited like mm-hmm. you're less yeah, confined I, yeah kind of i mean maybe mm-hmm. like some of this stuff's a bad example i like the mass effect example because yeah as someone who does play renegade mm-hmm. if it, if if the paragon options weren't there my renegade mm-hmm. decisions would make me feel less of an asshole you know it's like well i have no choice but to play like an asshole but I want to. Exactly. I want to feel like shooting Rex in the face was my decision. I want to feel like it was my decision. You know? <laughs> yeah, I see you doing. Even if most exactly, even if most people are going Paragon to make that feel like that is a choice you're making, right. you're not Wait. shoehorn down that. You got to have the option to shoot Rex in the face. Yeah, right. And I think mm-hmm. Japanese games do this really well, where it's like that. Like I've been playing like Final Fantasy fourteen recently, which is an MMO. And the, the difference between Final Fantasy XIV and World of Warcraft in terms of just random features that is just <laughs> huge. Like Final Fantasy XIV has like tons of these little features and random little things. Mm. And I'm just thinking, there's no way I can access all of this content. There's just so much there. But because yeah, there's yeah. so much there, it just it feels like the game world is bigger. Whereas it's World bigger, of Warcraft yeah. has become gotcha. so telemetry focused. They just focus on this small subject subset of features I'm paying the same amount monthly, but I feel like I'm getting less for my subscription. Yep, fair. Even though, even if I might not necessarily use some of that stuff. So I do like that because Psychonauts was funded by Kickstarter players, uh, fans of the original, they were like, mm-hmm. well, we've got to include all this stuff. We've got to include all the collectibles. We've got to include mm-hmm. all these reasons to go back and play through past levels, even though maybe most people won't do that. Yeah. But like, you know, I have I have this massive war against telemetry, you know, mm. and um, no, I think it makes points. games more boring, you know. No, it's but, valid points. And the last point I said, I know we're going along with this one, but the, the last point I'll say is that, you know, it, it's going to be interesting to see, you know, in the Xbox game studio acquisition mode that these, you know, students are now with their next iteration, right? How does their behavior change? Do we see what you're talking about, Jess, where it becomes the telemetry thing? Because we've heard all the good things coming in where, hey, Microsoft's hands off. They're going to let them do what they got to do. But the proof's in the pudding when it's the next one, right? Well, so yeah. that I think we'll get more answers to that. Absolutely. Yeah. And the only second point I was going to make out of the two was yeah. uh, polish, games polished. Yes. I think that was a really encouraging sign for Xbox Game Studios overall. And I know that the investment of Xbox Game Studios, I believe they had said, is what got them boss fights. So mm. those are one of the highlights of the game, and it showed their impact there. So I think there's a yin and yang to this situation, but I think those are it's well-deserved skepticism yeah. on how things will evolve. If you're an athlete, you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link. So you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field. That's why there's no vape in team. When you vape, you can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. 
Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. All right, let's get into our second one about another big launch for Xbox, which is coming from Craves Snow. They write in, Yo Dukes, it looks like 12 minutes is going to be a love it or hate it experience for people. I'm going to give it a shot on PC. It's thankfully available on Game Pass for PC and console. Any impressions from you? All right. I have not played this one yet, but Cog, I know you've been in on it. Yeah. This is all right. So people were coming at me saying, I've gone too hard on Ascent. Mm. As far as I'm aware, pretty sure only one dude's really handling the work on 12 minutes, mm-hmm. right? A lot of the heavy lifting. Mm-hmm. And I'm looking at what people are saying online. I'm like, God damn, they're tearing this thing apart. And then some people are like, it's great. I loved it. Where does Cog fall on this very divisive game? This is a weird one because mm-hmm. I people I trust are completely divided. Mm-hmm. They are complete. This is the one of the more polarizing games that I've seen. I, I, I had to play it just off of the stretch. Shout out to Hogue, friend of the show. He gave it a zero out of 10. <laughs> He's like, you know, it, it's just so it's so polarizing. Now, full disclosure, I'm about 60 to 70% in, you know, um, I will say off the bat for me, overall, I do like it. Uh, it's super addicting. I think the premise is unique. And the thing about it, this is how I knew I liked it, because I said, I'm going to say I'm going to try it for about an hour, you know, just so I can give some brief impressions. And then, you know, the next day I'll come back to it. And five hours later, (laughs) I'm still playing this game. So the thing about it is the possibilities are really cool. You know, the voice acting I felt with Defoe and the other characters are really cool as far as how you interact. And basically the game wants you to figure things out without spoiling too much. It wants you to figure out what's happening and you're in this infamous time loop where there are times when the game I feel is really beautifully done with the interactions, with your questions, your inquiries, and I feel it's spot on sometimes. Other times I'm like, eh, mm-hmm. that didn't feel too spot on. Or, eh, the, the game dev, dev is trying to force me through a path. But I will say this, like when you do start to figure things out, it really starts to get addicting. It's also very chilling and scary when based on the, 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 the patterns of the time loop, you start to re- like, give me case in point. You, you come into the house, you start to question your wife about things, and then clearly she's not giving you the, the right answers for stuff, right? As you start to figure out more and more on the, of the mystery, what I found funny was the game offered me a lot of control that I, I didn't think was possible, which was like, you know, going to the closet, picking up my phone, and I'm like, look, I know something's going to happen in 12 minutes. <laughs> so I'm calling the cops. And I literally was like 911, and the game allowed me to do that. Like, oh. I, and it, it, it literally was like, hey, and I was like, look, there's something going on between, you know, my wife and blah, blah, blah. And they were like, yeah, we'll be there in 15 minutes, <laughs> which is against the time loop. So I just thought it was little funny nuances, clicks, and stuff like that that really set well with me. You know, look, 
this game, because of the repetitive nature, is really going to piss some people off. Because gotcha. of the some forced choices or forced discovery may piss some people off. But I, I did like it. I thought it was a, a unique premise. And, um, mm-hmm. you know, I, I, the, 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 the only scathing thing I have to say about it that I did that I really disliked was the control. I did not like the control. This, to me, felt like a PC game at its core. And gotcha. I shouldn't have to put my, my mouse, the cursor on a screen and move it to someone. You know, to, to, for, for my character to move, because here's the thing. There are moments in the time loop where things are very time sensitive and you have to rush. It's like, OK, let me go this. Let me let me get this cup. Let me put water in the cup so that she could do this. And there's sleeping pills. I can drug my wife. You can do wow. all type of stuff. And, <laughs> and, and it's it gets crazy and it gets dark, bro. It gets really dark. But there's time constraints. So if you don't do it in a quick time and I'm fighting with the control because it's really not mm-hmm. contr- not it's really not made for control. It's really a mouse and click game. So that was my main thing, but I don't know if Jez played it. I don't know. I'm dying to know how he feels about it cuz I'm curious. Okay, so you guys are going to say but Yeah. <laughs> I could go on about well, this game, but it, it, look, that that was that was my thing. That was my main thing about it. The control mm-hmm. and sometimes the dev had a heavy hand on where he felt it should continue. But with every failure, the character becomes more self-aware. And he starts to start to talk about things in real time, understanding he's in the time loop. And that was probably the, the most exciting part for me. Hmm. Yeah, I'm very surprised on how divisive it is. I just, a lot of people were kind of counting as a slam dunker. Or it was like looking at myself with the ascent, right? I'm standing there just going, like, yeah, this mm-hmm. is it. And uh, didn't really deliver for me. But I, mm-hmm. I want to try it because given the length of the game, I've heard about six hours or so six eight hours mm-hmm. tops i feel like that's not so long of a time sink where if i don't like it it's an easy finish yeah nonetheless you know that's yeah. a weekend game easily yeah. you're telling yeah. me it's longer than 12 minutes <laughs> yeah i know right <laughs> yeah it's like to me it's its own job it's like a a narrative roguelite <laughs> like it's, narrative it's a, roguelite. It's a, yeah it's weird man <laughs> and i will say this like some of the dialogue paths are really cool when you do start figuring out there's a mm. part where you again the person who comes in who's played by William the flow he's, he's this aggressive cop and you know at the moment he's going to come in and if you haven't done certain things you know what i mean and there's times where i'm like all right i found the knife he comes in here and you know or tries mm-hmm. doing is nope Things things get changed. Do you have to wait the full twelve minutes, or do, do you press something like end the loop and, well, and yes, it no, it's like... it's a full twelve. But what you do is there's certain things you can do that accelerate the loop. So okay. you, once you start figuring things out, it's almost like you know, how, like you play in an open world game and you you press the button to like speed up time, so to speak. Mm-hmm. There's certain triggers in the game by act like hiding in the closet for one. You know, you can hide in the closet and at a certain point, he, the game will say, OK, now we wait because he's self-aware of what he has to do at the next juncture. So, yeah, it's not all you have to wait 12 minutes. There's certain things you do gotcha. to do that for sure. Very interesting. I'm going to want to play that. Of course, we're, we're setting up a spoiler cast and review discussion for patrons. So we'll have that shortly after. Let's move on to Kyle Borchert. Who writes in, hey, Maddie and Cog, long time, first time, given the numerous review and preview embargoes lifting this week, it made me think about plump review scores and game of the year contenders. Now more than ever, seemingly every major release plus select popular indies are anointed game of the year contender upon review. This doesn't happen in any other entertainment medium. People go to the movies, sometimes don't like what they watch or are super fans, Star Wars, Marvel, etc., and still critique the product. Same for mu- music, 
books, sports, etc. A 500 football team is never considered a Super Bowl contender. It is, is it unique to influencer slash publisher relationships in games that most critics are afraid to explore to scale in fear that they won't get access next time? Surely not every major release is an 8, 9, or 10. I'm envisioning here. Jez's thoughts Jez here. This one. Just some nuanced food for thought. Thanks for all you do, Kyle from Minnesota. Jez, you couldn't help but laugh. Let's, let's pass it off to you. Let's do it. Lord with this for you. Let's go. It's funny because I li- I literally called Psychonauts 2 a game of the year contender in my previous. Oh, did you really? I didn't know that <laughs> I when I was picking this. I, I was not attacking you, Jazz. I was not. <laughs> no, no, it's fine. It's fine. It's funny because, <laughs> I like, sorry, I, I, I've got carpal tunnel syndrome and my, oh, good, my hand is really killing me. So, yeah, um, good, yeah, man. I don't know how that feels. It's, uh, it's interesting because on Windows Central, we're not a traditional video game blog. We are we're like outsiders. We're a tech blog first. We cover we cover Xbox from the angle of it's part of the Xbox, the Microsoft ecosystem. We cover the whole Microsoft ecosystem. Most of our traffic's about Windows, Windows Central. And then Xbox Xbox is powered by Windows. Hence they hired me to cover Xbox. So <laughs> it is funny because I, I come at this not as a game journalist, but more of a tech journalist. And tech journalism is very different to game journalism. We see games more like in a soft in so, in a in a software context. Like is this value for money? We're not really looking to criticize the art so much, you know. Like obviously we'll say if graphics are bad or comment mm-hmm. an opinion on art style or something, but we're not really we're not really looking to analyze the game from a you know an artistic subjective perspective it's more it's more like is it buggy is it perform well is it value for money is it priced appropriately you know that kind of thing Mm -hmm. so i get told all the time like oh you're only saying this is good because you're scared of losing access and i'm just like i don't care about access because i ain't a game journalist we don't make any money from current video games and frankly Mm -hmm. i I don't think any blogs make money from current video games all the money Mm -hmm. comes from covering technology you know so um i'm in a unique position where i literally couldn't care less what microsoft thinks of me i literally couldn't care less what publishers think of me if you see like some of the articles i put about xbox and you know microsoft you know criticizing them and you know criticizing activision like i i was sure i was going to get caught from activision the last few weeks <laughs> for, for for some of the coverage i put out there about public oh, yeah. put out some stuff brother uh, yeah, was like, um but they still send me press releases so i think a lot of a lot of publishers are not they they a lot of people look to some certain certain famous examples where a publisher has cut off an outlet i think like i can't remember which outlet it was, but you, I remember Ubisoft famously cut off an outlet, and they put out an article. I think it was Kotaku, I want to say. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, maybe. and they put out an article attacking Ubisoft for cutting them off. So now, like, there's there's this whole narrative of like, oh, if you criticize a publisher, you get cut off. I don't think that's necessarily the case. Like, they, a lot of publishers thrive on criticism because they they see it as especially microsoft do because they mm-hmm. they absorb the feedback and it's like i'm sure there are some smaller publishers who might cut people off but um generally at least with microsoft they want the feedback you know they they mm-hmm. they want the brutally honest feedback because if we're saying it chances are everyone else is probably yeah, thinking like something similar at that point mm-hmm. yeah so i don't think that the fear of being cut off or losing access is a thing. I don't think it's a thing. Mm-hmm. It's just not because if if you're not honest, people won't come for your opinions, you know, mm-hmm. and they won't. Ultimately, the the blogger's job, blogger, journalist, whatever, 
is to serve the reader. And if you're not sort of, if you're not acting as a voice for your audience, then you're not doing your job properly, in my opinion. And sure, yeah. there are some journalists who don't do that, and they're they're treated right. like their own personal sort of, you know, sounding board. But mm-hmm. it's I don't know. I don't do it that way, and people on people that I know don't do it that way. Respect. But Respect. to loop it back around to the whole game of the year question, I do think the the whole I do agree with their assessment that the relationship between covering games, marketing, and the publishers is a bit weird. And shall we call it immature? I think it's immature. And it's sort of it's sort of it's sort of blurred a bit because YouTubers and streamers and stuff, they're individuals and they don't they're not really held to any sort of journalistic ethics, quote unquote. Right. And they, yeah. they have no oversight. They're just personal they're independent. So like they could right. take money from or they could they could take like not money for an opinion, but mm-hmm. they can have like relationships where it's like they're a little bit too close to the marketing, yes. maybe. Yes. And maybe yes. they want the access and stuff like that. So ultimately, bloggers and journalists and typical outlets are in competition with some of these influencers for attention, mm-hmm. basically. Yes. So like as 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 YouTube and social media gets more hyperbolic. A lot of bloggers follow along, follow along with it, you know. And this, you know, mm. the algorithm promotes hyperbole. It does. It the the algorithm demands sensationalism. It demands divisive opinions. It demands extreme, extreme. This is the best. <laughs> everything, you know. If you, but the algorithm is also driven by what people search for. So people tend to search for that sensationalism, which trains the algorithm algorithm to reward sensationalism. So we do end up in this weird situation where games as a medium has this sort of weird quasi-marketing jargony sort of, I don't even know what I'm trying to say, but it has this sort of weird, it does have a weird relationship. And I do agree yeah, that agree. the term game of the year is thrown around at ridiculous speed because unlike... Unlike the movie industry, which your Patreon dude compared it to, mm-hmm. there is mm-hmm. no real centralized official awards show for gaming. Correct. The Correct. Game Awards is becoming like the Oscars, or they're trying to make it like the Oscars for gaming. But, you know, at the same time, every mm-hmm. outlet does their own Game Awards. We do Game Awards. We do two game awards. We do Jez Jez's great game awards, which is my personal game awards, and and then also Windows Central game awards, and then like every every website does their own game awards, and a lot of YouTubers do game awards. I think like like some of the big YouTube like company businesses out there, mm-hmm. they they have their own award shows for tech and laptops and stuff like that, mm-hmm. and it's because there's money in it, you know. They you yeah. can you can license out the the awards. Sometimes you'll see like awards. So, uh, Gamescom. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. Gamescom, Gamescom <laughs> will, will, Gamescom will sell the marketing rights to some of their awards to the. I'm, you know, they'll sell the marketing rights to some of the, the publishers. I for mean, this. yeah, it was fascinating to watch. They literally said, "Now we're voting for the best Nintendo game," and their fucking choices were Mario and Rabbids. I'm like, okay, that's a Nintendo game, and Just Dance 2022. And I'm like, are you? What is this? And it was just those two. I'm like, no Pokemon, nothing. Like no you're not going to pick from those Nintendo games. And <laughs> it was, it's, it's so both weird. Ubisoft. It was, yeah, yeah. it was extremely but, weird. 
Nintendo mm-hmm. or Ubisoft or whoever, they will pay Gamescom money to be able to say, we won an award at Gamescom. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, and that, that's just how it works, you know. It's so weird. <laughs> so yeah. as long as there's... And, and that creates a weird relationship because Gamescom would be like, which publisher is most likely to give us a million dollars for this award? <laughs> Yo! <laughs> is the Pokemon... Going in. Is the Pokemon company going to give us a million dollars for an award? <laughs> Probably not. Probably. That's what that game... Probably that's not. what it really means, Jess. And that's what we do. <laughs> Tim Fall Hat, man. Tim Foil Hat. Um, I think it's a fair Tim Foil Hat, but so, mm. but well, yeah. U- Ubisoft might give who won the award. I was gonna it? say mm-hmm. Ubisoft needs as much good PR as they can as they can get. <laughs> well, it's it's all just marketing. It's all marketing yeah. at the end of the day. But the yeah. the Oscars is held up as this incorruptible sort of pillar right. of what yeah. an award show should be. But that's right. just sycophantic BS as well, you know. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. it. it it's just yeah. who cares game of the year is a meaningless term what's your game of the year? your that's game so of the important. year preach and that, that's what so, I, literally I was gonna say um if, if not, not to cut you jen um yeah i was literally gonna say the same thing it was just more of a you know to me all this stuff is outlier stuff and to me it's just you know what people consider game of the year that's fine but i've never looked at that as the holy bible the sacred word and you know and i feel the, the problem is i think you know, when we get into the Metacritic and all that stuff is the fanboys hold it so high, but at the same time, to the points Jez is saying about corruptibility and influence. And then when you look at the game awards and stuff like that, and, and you look at, you know, who's on the board and, 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 you know, sometimes you have situations where, you know, a game is nominated and certain people from famous magazines and influencers are actually in the game. That's not nominated for game. Like it starts to blur the line, right? It really does. So to me, I don't take any of that seriously as law. I go to reviews and all that stuff to the people who I respect that like similar genres I like, and I, I want to get their opinion because I know they may like this style of game. They may like turn-based, yeah. so they might, you know, so that's the guy. I go to you, Maddie, right? And it's like, yo, if I'm going to get my, you know, Western RPG, Bethesda, mm-hmm. my Fallout, I'm going to go and I'm going to see what you think kind of thing. But to this question, gotcha. yeah, I think no other genre you know, really does that, <laughs> you know, so gaming is different. And I, I, yeah, I don't never hear that term like, yo, you know, we just watch Spider-Man come home and yo, that's going to be game, movie of the year. That's going to be Oscar contender. Like you don't really mm. see, yo, there's definitely, definitely out at least. Yeah, exactly. Album of the year, Grammy for sure. Like it's just a different culture, but I'm curious your, your thoughts, Maddie, with, with this whole thing. Yeah, I, I think Jez brings up a fair point on the idea that YouTubers, streamers, they get a little closer. Mm-hmm. Personally, I've had that experience. You know, I've, I, I say it all the time that like I've worked with uh, like THQ on Destroy Humans, even and I got to say it can muddy the waters a little bit where yes. I had a situation where I was going to cover Wasteland 3 and then they approached me with a pretty good brand deal mm-hmm. where I would have felt stupid to turn it down. Plus, mm-hmm. I was already into it. I had previewed it, liked it, gave yeah. me access and I gave it a rave review, but it wasn't, they weren't paying me for a review. They were just like, we want you to feature it on your channel. Like we're paying for a slot on your channel. Mm. That's not what people say or see rather. Mm-hmm. So there's definitely a little bit of getting close there, but I've never earned any extra favors from any of these companies. Mm-hmm. When I, I do one of these, they just, at the end of the day, it's a business and they're trying to, in those cases, 
buy advertising space on your channel and it's like, i mean I'm to be open to be completely fair time. to youtubers like yourself mm. and and stuff it's it's hard because if you if you're if you're me and you work in a big company i can separate myself from all that so like if if say for example you know using your example say for example wasteland 3 wants to put a banner ad on windows central they have mm. to talk to our advertising department not me right so like right. i don't yeah. i don't even see that side of the business so like right. when mm-hmm. and my editor would never say we want you to give this an award because we think th- right. they'll give us access or whatever mm-hmm. that is by design that's all separate so editorial can be pure and incorruptible right. i think that's how that's how most larger blogs do it but when yeah. you're an individual yes you have to work harder to yes. sort of maintain that integrity you know? absolutely I, I, and sorry continue yeah so like but at the same time like there are probably smaller blogs that don't bother having that integrity you know so mm-hmm. and there are youtubers who probably don't bother having that integrity so it is it is yeah. all blurred yeah yeah i mean i i look at it this way you know i i i'm not even saying it's in a, a manner of justification but more so for perspective is the, i've surfed around and seen like some of the ads that other creators will do and they do what they got to do for their own brand that's fine mm-hmm. I see some of them stepping into waters where I'm like, oh, like a mobile game promotion. I'm like, never, right. man, never. Right. But when I started to see reviewers that I personally trust a lot, you know, to, to name one, like skill up, mm-hmm. do do like a brand deal with Oculus to talk about, uh, I forgot the name of the Viking VR game that was mm-hmm. an RPG. Came from mm-hmm. Sanzaru. I okay. can't remember the name of it, of course, though. But when I saw him do it to me, I, and I saw other YouTubers I respected and, and opinions that I followed, and I was like, you know, I never really questioned them and I don't question them afterwards. So, you know, you think to yourself, why not me? Mm-hmm. But you do have to walk that careful ground, I think, because I consider myself more of a reviewer, for sure. (laughs) And it's something that I think what's happened is there's almost been a rebellion in the audience of the review scale because of that lack of exploration. Um, One particular brand I've seen really struggle as of late was IGN, where they're kind of getting slammed for recently giving a lot of eights. And I think what's happening is uh, people aren't identifying that there are freelance reviewers there are reviewers that are in right. and out of that right. office there's not a common long standing staff that has a similar understanding of the scale where what's an 8 to someone i mean i think it's fairly scored in the sense where what that's a person's 8 that's a person's 8 right? right um and i think the number scale is just becoming more and more damaging where people will turn to someone like myself because i don't do that i would just go like here's how much i would pay for this is it a game pass download is it a never touch that type of stuff? And right. a lot of that was shaped, you know, I worked with Carrick for, mm-hmm. you know, we still talk, but I worked with him for four or five years straight. And so mm-hmm. a lot of his practices kind of just bled on to me right. where I learned a lot of his ways. And and so in turn, I think that association gave let people trust to me because they right. knew like I'm working with what I think is like the best YouTube reviewer. Right. And he kind of taught me a lot mm-hmm. of things. So there was also that, but I, I was in a more fortunate position. But yeah, I do think I have to agree with the idea that there is a little bit more fear to explore the scale. And I don't know if it's really because of influencer, publisher relations. I think it's more so because people don't want blowback. Mm. And I, I, it can get violent, man. Like you, you look at what happened with GameSpot and, and Cyberpunk. <laughs> And I'm but, sure, yeah, Jez, you I mean, had your own stories. I had I had YouTubers make videos about my Cyberpunk review because I gave the game nine out of ten, and I bloody mm. well stand by that. Cyberpunk is awesome. I gave I it a really to... rave review too. P- PC spoke... version, yeah, yeah PC, PC version. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> be clear, be clear, Jez. <laughs> yeah, definitely the PC version. But, yeah, you know, I gave it a rave review because I loved it. I love Cyberpunk. Mm-hmm. 
I was I didn't watch any of the marketing, so I was expecting Witcher Three with guns, and that's what mm-hmm. I got. I wasn't expecting, mm-hmm. and I feel like a lot of people were expecting Grand Theft Auto. So like, mm-hmm. I had like a huge amount of blowback from people who had like Xbox Ones or PS4s, and the games just didn't work properly. And I was just like, Yeah, man, and that's where it's. Is it tougher for you? I got to ask because. I'm able to, after my review, you know, I choose where my coverage goes. And I think you have agency over that. But like, I was able to make follow-ups like, here's what's happened with the console versions. Because I warned people in my review, I was like, we had PC. You know, I said, I experienced these bugs, but I don't know what's going on with all the other stuff. Um, but I was able to do follow-up coverage so people were able to see my review, my opinion, how the story developed. Did you ever run into a wall there where like maybe you had to cover something else? Or in this case with well, Cyberpunk, like you were able was... to provide that extra insight? Yeah, actually, particularly usually no but in the case of cyberpunk yes well windows central is not a particularly big team i think back then we had like maybe two full-time writers and then like uh, a collection of like freelancers who were very good by the way like but we because cyberpunk launched at the same time as the series x and the C- and the series s and it was amazon black friday which is a big right. coverage area for windows right. central I couldn't really do any follow-up coverage on Cyberpunk. Frankly, I didn't even want to. I just wanted it away from me as far as it could go. <laughs> but you know, I but I do I do agree that like but but now it has changed the way I approach coverage because be- before I never bought I specifically avoided looking at marketing for games because I didn't mm. want the marketing to change my opinion. Right. But now I think maybe I should watch the marketing of games so I can mm match my review to people's expectations you know right like, right it, you know it, what has this been for. mismarketed but then am i reviewing the marketing of a game oh you're reviewing the game yeah that's the yeah there's yeah. a lot of lines you gotta walk a lot of lines yeah, it's lot so of lines. it is weird and like like you know i have a lot of respect for what you guys do youtubers and individuals you. because you don't have a huge amount of resources mm-hmm. to go to mm-hmm. oftentimes like yeah. that's literally us and you you have to do things like you know you mentioned skill up uh, covering Oculus and stuff because like sometimes a company if you're a big YouTuber like skill up a company will offer you, offer you like a deal that just seems stupid not to take you know and mm-hmm. you have to do things that are right for your future and your family. I've had that. Not only that, you know, I I mean, of course, I have ambitions beyond YouTube, but for me, it's also sometimes you see the brand deal where like I make a list of stuff I'm going to talk about. And like, if that game's on my list and I was going to do it for free and then you come over and you're like, we're going to pay you. I'm like, I don't want you to control what I'm going to say. Like, I'm going to make this video. This is my plan. They're like, yeah, that's fine. And it's like, okay. Yeah. And then it's like, (laughs) okay. Now now I'm going to take take the deal. Yeah. So it's, it's interesting, but I understand how it looks for the the common consumer. So yeah, it it is, it is really annoying. And there's like so many conspiracy theories about the media and stuff right now. And you just sort of like, I think the best thing to do is just, you know, like you, like you guys said, find the creators you trust, yeah, you know, and that you reflect your opinions and, you know, yeah, and mm-hmm. that's what I do. And you, Absolutely. both of you guys, I just say, both yeah. you guys do a very excellent job. And I'm very privileged you, jazz. to partake in this <laughs> discussion with I will such say, esteemed gentlemen as yourself. While we're, we're fluffing each other's ego, I got to say, you are one of the very few <laughs> I read, Jazz. Yes. I'd say I truthfully. And, and I, very, I, yeah, very bold. I'm sorry. I'm very, no, I was going to say, I just, I, I try to avoid as much content as possible because I don't want my thoughts swayed. Although I want to make sure I embrace enough where I'm seeing what people are thinking. So I'm very picky as well. So Jazz, you are 
top on that list of, of people I read consistently. Same way, Thank likewise. And, and for us as a smaller site blog at lordsofgaming.net, you know, it's the same thing. I, I want that level of brutally honesty. And I've had situations where I've had relationships with certain publishers and, and stuff like that. But when it comes to the editorial team, that's separate. And I give my editor-in-chief full go, like, he is not to be influenced by me. He can completely trash Destiny. He can completely trash anything that I like. Uh, are you and, sure about that? Yeah. Oh, no. They, they, it's a running joke. That's what's so great about our internal talks is like, you know, I would, as a joke, say, hey, who's going to do that that uh, Witch Queen review? Or, you know what I'm saying? Whatever. You know, kind of thing. I'm expecting, you know, kind of yeah. as a joke. And they, But they know with me that I value their honesty and i don't care that if they're gonna go because sometimes they've come back to me saying cog man you know i know you kind of got us that review code or you, you know whatever but you know i'm kind of i'm gonna have to go in on it I, there's a lot of problems with this by all means go yeah, same right, thing with opinion pieces and so on and so forth i want you to be true to yourself the only thing my editorial should be doing is correcting the grammar and the nature of your writing but never taking away your voice mm. that's my thing so absolutely that's excellent to hear this episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. Dreaming of a better sleep? Tossing and turning is not your destiny. And Ollie is here to help. Ollie invites you to sink into sweet, sweet slumber to improve your mental and physical health and overall wellness. More than just melatonin, Ollie's ingredients help you unwind your mind for a delightfully dreamy drift off. Sleep is on the way at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. All right, let's get through these last two and get into the news. Yes, sir. Number four comes from Kyle Cano. Hello, fellas. With Xbox holding out some current-gen optimization for PS5, but releasing Quake and Skyrim on it, what does this say to you? Is this Xbox honoring some old deals, or is there some PR strats going on behind the scenes with them playing the good guy and bad guy while testing the water? Also, people need to get that PS... Maddie is a PS fanboy shit out of here. <laughs> He's like, Xbox... Phony. Xbox lawful evil is what he's defining me as. Well, COG is neutral good. All right. That's an alignment I can <laughs> they keep square away with. for you with this. It's hilarious. <laughs> what do you guys make of this? So Psychonauts 2 doesn't have a PS5 next-gen update. Only Xbox has it. Um, then we have something like Hellblade, which is exclusive to Xbox on a next-gen capacity. But then you look at Skyrim Anniversary Edition would be both systems. Quake, both systems. But Quake's on Game Pass. It seems like... There's an angle for each. Skyrim is one of the standouts that doesn't have any type of angle. We'll talk about that more later on. But uh, what do you think about Xbox uh, and, and their approach here? Where sometimes they're doing, most times really, I should say, based on the numbers here, they're doing what's best for Xbox fans. But they seem to hold out on on PlayStation on certain occasions where there may be legacy. Yeah, I mean, I was I'll jump in. Um, you know, it's to me, it's I never look at it as the the company who is in control of of the of the of the publisher or developer you know to me they are beholden to them right so 
anything after that is that agreement is is like for example i i look at bethesda in their situation right and when they came out with the statement and saying as far as exclusivity you know that there going to be some legacy and some things that are going to still be done for sony and other platforms that you know they've holding to fine but I don't expect that generally in every deal, especially when a company is acquired, like, for example, by Microsoft, like in the Hellblade case, like that's to me how I anticipate things for the most part going Mm -hmm. forward. Whereas Hellblade comes out, it gets the ray tracing, it gets the 4K or whatever. And now that they're owned by Microsoft, I personally don't expect the PlayStation 4 version to, you know, you know, to get that in the 5 version to get that kind of stuff. So that's kind of where I sit it. I just, not to get the fanboy stuff, but it, I always find it interesting that I feel like Microsoft always has to ask these questions. Whereas if Sony is put in that position, it is kind of expected. The other platform is not getting that. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? So I'm curious with Jez in reference, especially with Quake and the Skyrim thing, like his thoughts on that, you know, as far as, optimization on older things that may have been cross-platform even though now that company or dev may be acquired by someone else i think it's like people think people often think like a a switch flips and then xbox is just like okay all these games no longer on playstation now i think in some cases microsoft will probably say this game's no longer playstation now because strategically it's better if it's exclusive i.e starfield there probably has been work done to bring Starfield to PlayStation, but for play, for Starfield to be exclusive to Xbox and PC is just obviously a huge win for Microsoft, and it's going to fill a gap in their lineup when you know when it drops eventually. However, in the case of Quake, in the case of Skyrim Anniversary Edition, the work had probably already been done, and it's not a huge strategic loss to lose like a decades-old game to PlayStation, and they probably just thought. You know, we can get value out of this by putting it on PlayStation. We can gauge interest in the IP. We can gauge how well the game does. We can gather feedback, stuff like that. You know, data is very valuable to Microsoft, as we discussed earlier. They love their telemetry. So, you know, (laughs) maybe in some ways they think, like, they could gauge how well a Quake sequel might perform on console and stuff like that. Maybe. I don't know. And it's probably just a case of the work had already been done, so screw it. Also, Skyrim is like a legacy game. So is Quake. I believe Quake 2 Mm -hmm. was on PlayStation 2 or 3 or something um, back in the day. And, um, Mm -hmm. you know, these are legacy titles. And they've already, they've they've always sort of hinted that legacy games will be shipping on other platforms as well. But if they do a a new Quake, Quake Reboot, I believe we're on Quake 5 now, if I remember right. Yes. If they do a Quake 5. If you don't include Champions. Yeah, yeah, rip, rip in peace. <laughs> but um, if um, if they do a Quake Five, I fully, firmly believe that'll be exclusive because it'll be, mm-hmm. it'll be a strategic win. You know, you know, put a drop of blood in the water with the quite legacy Quake games, and then mm-hmm. you rip, rip it away from people with the, with the, exclusive, <laughs> with the exclusivity. So you know. But I don't think we'll see. I don't think we'll see any sort of next gen games go to other platforms, with the exception mm-hmm. of Indiana Jones. I think Indiana Jones will be on PlayStation, even though I don't think they've announced platforms yet. I think Indiana Jones will be on PlayStation because it's not their IP, whatever. But I don't think I don't think the next Quake will be. I think like all the future games will be exclusive to Xbox. See, I'm on the I'm on the mindset that everything in the future that is new, 
right? If it's a new release and by new, I don't mean remasters even like, I think if they were to do fallout three and new Vegas remaster, like so many people want, and I talk about pretty disgustingly. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I think they would put that on PlayStation, right? I think if there's a chance to grow your brand through nostalgic content, you're they're likely going to double dip if they can. But I think anything I new, including Indiana Jones, I do think they're going to lock down. And the, my justification for Indiana Jones has always and forever been, if you can lock down Spider-Man, you better fucking lock down <laughs> anything beneath that. Because Spider-Man is probably one of the most recognizable costume characters of all time, if not the most. And... I just feel if you, if, you, if you can't lock down Indiana Jones, but you can lock down Spider-Man, something's wrong. That would be my interpretation of that specific scenario. But I'm in line with you, Jez. I feel like it's just a situation where there's an opportunity to grow, gauge, and not only that, but remind people why they like Elder Scrolls. So when six comes around, if they do lock that down, which I think they will, it's that moment of, ah, shit. I do like this a lot. Exactly. <laughs> you move on exactly. over. All right. Let's move on to number five. And then we'll get into the news. Steve Forgione writes in with another Bethesda question. Hey, Duke boys, wishing you well. Forgive me for speaking from a place of ignorance, but what's stopping Bethesda and Microsoft from just hiring the guys behind fan remakes of prior Elder Scrolls and Fallout titles and having those be official versions? I understand that the technical aspect is more complicated than it looks, but if a small, dedicated group of fans can do what we've asked billion-dollar corporations to do, what's the excuse for the billion-dollar corporation? I really don't see the benefit of Fallout 3 or more when collecting dust while Bethesda could seemingly whip up a remake in the creation engine. Unless they're waiting for Creation 2.0 to be fully materialized, I'm convinced they have the resources to put something legacy-related out to wet our palate between now and Fallout 5 slash Elder Scrolls 6. That's all. Have an eh day. (laughs) There's something that's interesting here that I need to call a a pretty obscure JRPG series into the spotlight for mm-hmm. um, the Trails of series. I talked about it a lot with Cold Steel, and it's a series that I want to see Xbox get on their platform one day. Um, they have a, a number of Trails of series. They have like In the Sky, they have Azure, um, and there's this fan remake team uh, that goes by the name of, I want to say the Geofront team. Mm-hmm. I apologize if I'm not accurately labeling them all, but uh, this team handled a fan translation and overhaul of this trails game. And it was so well done. It would have saved uh, neon Falcom, the developer so much time that they actually paid for this and made it the official way to play the game. And it's now an official version of the title. Wow. And a lot of people have wanted Bethesda to do this and their way of doing it was through monetization of creation club, which while we're excited for anniversary edition and some of the content it's going to add through creation club, I think was a misuse of, you guessed it, the modders that they hired for this project. And I've always said that it would make so much sense for them to get invested in these remake projects where something like Sky Oblivion is what I'm assuming Steve Forgione is talking about, mm-hmm. is so far along. It's probably like a year or two away. And if they had some extra resources, I can guarantee it'd be out by next year. Like mm-hmm. they're doing, and it, not only that, it looks phenomenal. And they're not just, taking oblivion and putting it into creation engine but making what oblivion remaking it so certain areas are more authentic to the lore like steven said just more of what you would expect from a billion dollar corporation Mm -hmm. i truly have never understood the idea of when companies allow right because we've seen like disney come down and shut down every single fan remake under the sun and and there are many others out there doing the same thing we just saw a simpsons game uh, for the remake of Hit and Run, gets shut down. And so it's cool that Bethesda allows it through the tools that they have provided for fans to use, like the creation kit. 
but I've always found it fascinating that they've never been invested. So I don't know if the fascination carries to either of you two on mm -hmm. why or any idea on why Bethesda has never gotten involved. But now we've seen through the Trails of series that a company can get involved with a fan remake of a game and then make it their own official product to save themselves a lot of time and probably money. So where do you both fall on this subject? Yeah, Jed. I've actually asked people at Xbox about this in the past, some of the publishers. And some of them, for some, they've implied that it's a PR thing where it's Ooh. like, how does it look if we're asking fans to do this for us and stuff like that? Yeah. And there's there's like almost like a, a trepidation about doing it. And then like, you know, sort of like you're sort of, you're relying on people who aren't necessarily employed by your company to potentially damage your brand. So for some, it's like maybe a sort of fear that the project won't be sort of good for the brand. But at the same time, and I've seen this myself since Windows Central got bought by a much bigger publisher. We were bought by Future PLC than on PC Gamer, Games Radar, and a bunch of other websites. Mm -hmm. I don't know if I should talk about this, but whatever. <laughs> um, Exclusive. <laughs> it's, it's like I've asked, because when we were bought, they, mm -hmm. they took some features off our YouTube channel. Mm -hmm. And I was like, why are you taking these features off our YouTube channel? Like the donations mm -hmm. and the paid subscriptions. And they were like, oh, well, how does it look? We're a big publisher and we're asking people for donations. I'm just like, if people want to donate, let them donate. Right, you know, right, yeah. They'll feel more invested in the content mm -hmm. we make. In the content. So, you know, it, it's... But they... they it's, it's almost like when, when a company gets so big, you have like these layers of middle management who make problems mm. out of nothing to justify their job. And... <laughs> <laughs> mm, you're not wrong that sounds very accurate so um and uh and i feel like we, when it comes to video game companies like big publishing mm -hmm. and stuff there's probably where that comes in like there'll be like there'll be layers of legal teams where just like oh this isn't a good idea we shouldn't do this blah blah, blah. we don't we don't right. know these people blah blah, blah. what if what if what say. if they what if they take our brand and put like i don't know giant penises in it or something you know <laughs> uh, which funnily enough you know there's an old story about state of decay with giant penises i don't know if you guys are aware of yeah i know i'm aware but so, yeah. some contractors who worked on state of decay hid giant penises yeah, under hid. the map yes. so um no you know, it's enough penis talk i actually on your podcast. was not aware of that yeah that's <laughs> a thing that's a thing that's a thing look, look that look up state, state of decay giant penises just put it into google mm -hmm. But maybe put safe search we'll on do that right now. Maybe safe search. <laughs> I'll let you know. I'll let you know what comes up in a moment. You continue on. But um, but you know, it's it's that kind of fear, and you know, maybe it's a legitimate fear. Maybe it's like, yeah, yeah. If we if we let like someone just make a Fallout game, they could put all kinds of crazy stuff in it, and we we don't have we don't have a clause of control in what what the right. final product could look like, and it could hurt the brand. So there's that aspect of it, and so like you could you could say that's a fair fear to have. Or you could say it's some middle manager jobs worth making problems out of nothing. You could right. say it either way. Like if you're a cynic like me, maybe you'll say it's a middle manager just, you know, pretending that they're useful. But, you know, maybe maybe it is smarter to actually be a bit more careful about the way you're doing things and how they're perceived. You know, it's, it's funny that I mentioned Fallout specifically because Bethesda this week hired – the the writer of a fallout mod called fallout london i don't know if you guys saw mm -hmm. this mm -hmm. 
Mm, so no, she she was that. actually hired to be a quest designer for Bethesda mm. because of her work on the mod. So mm. clearly they're looking at these fan projects and maybe they don't necessarily invest in them directly because of legal things or whatever. And, you know, you know, you have to imagine, you have to imagine like if Bethesda had legal, legal bureaucracy, adding Microsoft on top of that is just like a clusterfuck yeah. of legal yeah. Yeah. bullshit. And Microsoft yeah. is obsessed with how their legal things work because they are, they're a massive company and they're a massive target for litigation. If anyone so much as thinks they can get any money out of Microsoft for anything, a patent from like a million years ago, they will litigate and they'll try to get some money out of Microsoft because Microsoft can afford it. And for Microsoft, Mm -hmm. it's often just, it's easier to just pay a settlement than fight something in court or, you know, go through the PR and all that stuff. So gotcha. In a roundabout way, I'm saying, yes, it is complicated. (laughs) And I use that by talking about giant penises. Yeah, I was going to say, I did did look it up and I can confirm this was was a thing. (laughs) Yeah, I don't have much at that. Jez killed it. I mean, uh, like, I completely agree. My whole thought process was exactly what Jez said, legality and control. And, you know, it, it just comes down to because I, you know, I'm a big fan of Destiny and some of these artists and some of these lore guys are so phenomenal, the things that they create. And I'm like, damn, why doesn't Bungie just hire this is a guy named Bife? My name is Bife. He's excellent. This guy, he talks about lore. You, you, you should feel he's a, be a, a writer in the game because he knows it mm-hmm. so well, you know, and they've had instances and opportunities where they've created their, their own lore uh, in, in book form and written form. And, you know, those guys that are highly respected in the lore community that do these self-fan-made projects and creations were not called upon by Bungie, mm-hmm. right? So, you know, it, it takes time. And I, I think it just comes down to simply legality, control, and, you know, just wanting to have their tendrils on everything involving their franchise and stuff like that. It's very rare, I mean, at least that I've seen, that, they're the, you know, the fan project or fan mod or whatever. The only time I see it is... Were like hackers. It like they found a way, and I've seen companies from a security standpoint say, "Okay, how did you?" They hire some of them mm-hmm. to see how they have broken into something to kind of strengthen their defenses and stuff like that in, in network space. That that's the only time I've kind of seen it. But yeah, yeah I, I agree with Jess. I think that's primary the reason why you don't see more of it. Fair points all around. Now let's get into the news where it has been a big week for Xbox, big week for gaming in general, as we got a lot to talk about between. Like I said at the top of this Xbox Gamescom event, Jeff Keighley's opening night live, QuakeCon, Ascent patch. But more importantly than anything, I think for Xbox fans is we finally got our answer. It has been a big week for Halo Infinite with number one. Some good news and some bad news for eager fans. For starters, this, of course, was announced right after we recorded our show last week. So we want to make sure we cover it here. The bad news is two major features will not be ready for the game's launch. Forge Mode, the heartbeat of custom games, has received a six-month delay and will will release along with the Season 3 content. If that wasn't enough, Co-op has received a delay of its own and won't see the light of day until the game's second season of content, which is three months out. Now for some good news. Developer 343 is staying true to getting the game out by 2021, even if it's as late as can be. They have committed to a December 8th, 2021 release date for both the campaign and multiplayer together was emphasized on stage by Mm -hmm. Joe Staten. 
New trailer also introduces Halo 1's Season 1 Commander Agrina, alongside all the content will be unlocking. To celebrate the 20th anniversary, they are planning to release a Halo-themed Elite Controller Series 2, as well as a limited edition Halo Infinite console available on the first game's anniversary, November 19th. All right, gentlemen, so... Now, I think it's kind of good that we missed the first scoop of news because we weren't able just to knee-jerk react. We had time to digest. Think about it. Not only that, now we've got the release date in tandem with that to look at, okay, three months out, we're looking at March for co-op. We're looking at the summer for Forge. And we got a better idea, I think, of things where we can talk about it for the first time in probably a more informed manner. I want to pass this to Jez right away as our guest. Jez, Number one, you you were the guy who who gave us hope after after Xbox's Gamecom showcase, right? You know, we're like, where was it? No Halo Infinite, no date. And you went, you guys might want to watch Open and Night Live. And right there, we were like, all right, Jez knows that something's coming. So you probably had an idea that a date was coming. Now we got the date. How do you feel about the delayed content alongside said release date? Ah, <sighs> man, it's complicated because, you know, mm-hmm. I can see the arguments for both. I think, I think... The biggest problem with this delay is that once again, it calls into question Microsoft's ability to execute a AAA game. Ooh. I think that's that's the biggest problem here. Yes, there's COVID. Yes, it's unprecedented. And in a way, 343 was uniquely disrupted by COVID. Like mm-hmm. the, I don't know what you call it, that place in America where Microsoft is. Redmond, Washington? Yes, Washington. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The pandemic was like particularly bad there last yeah. year, I believe. It sort of started there, sort of, if mm-hmm. I remember right. And um, 343 was like uniquely impacted by it because they're, they're sort of open plan office. They've got like all these like collaborative sort of screens. Of, I've, I've seen it, man. The 343 is mm. like, I've, I've been there. I've actually been oh, there. Nice. And it's it's oh, wow. like, it's like a hive of video game development, you know, with with busy bees buzzing around, <laughs> hitting, hitting codes and doing all the codey things, you know. Ooh, in a matrix, let's go. Yeah, yeah, kind of. And, um, you know, it's... Uh, so for them to go from, like, a, a workflow they're used to with all this technology in-house, rapid, like, sending builds over super speedy Microsoft technology to suddenly being scattered all across the country like literally all across the country and then having to do all this work on domestic home internet waiting for things to sync over sharepoint of OneDrive, you know mm. not great not ideal tough and tough. that was that was at the start of the pandemic before microsoft had any idea of how to cope with this stuff so like for some countries that have only just like new zealand and australia have only just recently started to have like outbreaks that have numbered in the hundreds you know so like they've they've had time to observe the panic in the west and sort of potentially sort of have contingencies in place microsoft had no contingencies contingencies for global pandemic as pertains to game development maybe now they do maybe a lot of companies do now but they didn't at the time Yeah, and not only that, but Chris Lee was ousted, and yes. Joseph Staten came in, and and some reports suggest that he really changed the vision for what the campaign was going to be, and decided mm-hmm. like some things need to be better and tweaked and stuff like that, and and then we had last year's gameplay showing, 
and Craig <laughs> and all that stuff. So <laughs> yeah. someone held up a Craig sign at WWE. Yeah. Sign Yo, you saw that out. So funny. So Cruel. the point of this history lesson <laughs> is to illustrate that it has not been easy for them. Yes. And this, even though I'm not personally affected by co-op, because I have no friends, and, <laughs> and I, I'm not personally too. affected by Forge, because I have no creativity, I don't personally <laughs> care about these things. What it does call into question, though, is, is the game as a whole in a good state? That's where I think a lot of the fear comes from. And that's where my concern comes from. I'm not even a Halo fan. Like anyone who Ooh, anyone who listens to me Oh yeah, I live the Xbox one. too. Oh yeah. yeah. They know they know what I think of Halo. But <laughs> I want it to be good for Xbox fans, yeah. obviously, because it's right. it's a flagship product. And not only do, yes. not only does it carry the weight of meeting Halo fans' expectations, it's sort of it's sort of like the crowning advertisement for the Xbox brand. You know, yes. if they can't execute Halo Infinite after six years, that's not a good look. So that's what I think. It's it's mm-hmm. it's sort of like the the fear that they're not going to be able to execute this, and it's yeah. just going to lead to like yeah. seventy five on Metacritic or something, and it's going to be another like, oh, when are we going to yeah. get a good no game out of this? No, just, no. <laughs> you know, so. <laughs> I have no, I have no insight into what the state of the campaign is. I just want to say that now. Okay. I haven't heard if it's good. I haven't heard if it's bad. You know, I suppose as long as it's got like, you know, aliens to shoot in it. Some people, professional love, show your love for this. Well, franchise. the thing that um, may may have concerned me more is I thought that they tried to get this bad news out of the way with co-op and forge. Because when they hit the stage at Gamescom, I was thinking, not a big blowout, but like, here's our when our next tech preview is happening, mm-hmm. here's another peek at the gameplay for the campaign one year later, right? It's been a year yeah. since we had the Craig debut. <laughs> now let's get a look at how we, we've gotten a feel for Halo for those who are lucky enough to get into the technical preview to understand, you know, hey, this game feels like it'll be fun. We don't know yet when you get real players in there and with the diversity of modes, how it'll actually balance out. But at the end of the road, I think what people wanted to see was campaign. We didn't even get that. So to me, I think while the date is encouraging, I found the date very encouraging. I was like, yes, they're taking every friggin' month that they can. And they're not trying to get your black Friday sales. They're trying to, you know, they're trying to get you right at the end of December. You know, they're getting you one way, right? With the controller, with the console to prepare you. But I think sales wise, it may have been more optimal while people were in stores to have Halo sitting on those shelves. And I know there was pressure there to get it on the anniversary date. I would have loved that. But even if it's a couple of weeks, I really like that they have waited until that deep into the cycle. But I still want another look at the campaign. I thought this was the time to do so. And that's not even getting into the side tangent that I could go all day about <laughs> when it comes to this fucking showcase that they held. Oh, God. Where another thing about if it's good or bad, but that. You see how much now with with opening night live concluded Xbox held for their that show and that Halo was just in the middle. Like I thought, oh, this is a show ender, maybe a show starter, right? Like it's a big deal, release date, new trailer. And it's like just in the middle there. It's just like, a, you know, here you go. Why didn't we do this on our own stage? Hmm. Jazz, maybe you have the answers on that one. I got to turn to you real quick because you seem to know that it was going to end up that way. So do you know why Xbox yes. made this call? No. 
No. <laughs> it's so I found, weird. I found, I found out like a couple of days ago and I was just like, no, that can't be. <laughs> really? Can yeah. Really? But <laughs> I think they like Jeff Keighley. Yes. That's my take. Okay. And I quite Can like I Jeff too. I liked his jacket and his shoes <laughs> very much during the show. <laughs> His jacket was quality today, I mean, or, or well, today as we record really, this. Right? Really, I'm going to steal his jacket. That's yeah. how I was resolved to steal Jeff's jacket. Oh, but, okay. you know, I, I think, like, I think ultimately that's what it's about. Like, it's, it's about, like, Jeff. I think Jeff mm. made this happen. Mm. And uh, we can, maybe it was a good thing. Given the pacing of the other show, oh god, yeah, mm. I can't. That's um, fair. I didn't even watch the whole thing. I just watched wow. a little bit and thought, I think I'm the nah. curse. I've just, I've, I ever since I started doing these reaction streams to anything Xbox does for a showcase, you know, really with like Twitch at ID at <laughs> Xbox, it's really just been a real poor presentation after poor presentation. I'm like, damn. Maybe I just gotta take a stream off and, and they'll get it right. Like, and I'll just sit there as a spectator, like, okay. jinx. yeah. <laughs> God, what I do you think not. of everything? Everything Halo. Sorry, Jazz. I didn't mean to cut you off. What were you gonna say? I was just, I was just gonna say, like, I just wish they'd just steal Nintendo's format. I know. Yeah, especially know. the indies. Oh God, yes. Yeah. Just steal mm-hmm. Nintendo's format. Steal it. They showed steal you just... how to do it. Yep. It's right there. Just, just right PlayStation there. Did it. It. Yeah, PlayStation, PlayStation did it. Yeah. Just, yeah. just do it. Left fluff. You know, developers minimally, and if so, not on screen as much. Less personalities. Showcase mm-hmm. the games, pacing, move forward. I, I'm with you on that, Jed. Um, yeah, this I, I got a lot to say. Um, <laughs> first off, you know when the announcement happened about no co-op in Forge, it, it crushed me. It, it it really crushed. For, co- campaign co-op really crushed me. That is something historically, you know, I've ne- I realized when I did my Halo history, I've never not played Halo co-op campaign it was almost a tradition that you know you get your friends you crank it up on legendary you know and you try to do that and it was just this kind of you know fun you know tradition that i've always always done so it did hurt now i'm a person in fairness that even though something directly affects me if it's for the greater good of the game then i'm gonna say you know what okay I'll sacrifice that if the the data shows or the telemetry shows something else, right? Mm-hmm. But to me, it was, I guess, where I really struggled with the, the the mindset and the community was this overbearing thought process. It has to come out this year. It has to come out. Because I would challenge people on the other side, like, hey, why, you know, let's be honest, you know, Halo, that is a core pillar. You know, you have a campaign, co-op, you have multiplayer, right? So for people that it has shipped every single iteration prior, right? You know, why are you so hell-bent that it must come out? And they were just like, look, you got to hit it, the 20th anniversary. You know, at some points, you know, they would use the statistics, look at the people who didn't play, um, you know, co-op campaign as far as achievement, fi- finishing and stuff like that. And I get it. You know, the only thing I, I just was, it was just interesting to me because to me where I was emotional about it was that in this industry, every other game we say, yo, they delayed it. Good. Take your time. Yes. <laughs> Take your time. Right. Th- this is what I hear. We hear the Mayamato quote. 
take your time. Mm. And I'm like, and they, and they cheer it. They celebrate it. The, the community gets behind it. And we just came off a of cyberpunk, right? Where <laughs> this, the boardroom made a decision that ultimately tarnished the great reputation, right? Of this, of this franchise. And it's just like, you know, so that was just my thing. Like, why is the community so, you know, gung ho with that? So, it is what it is. Now we get to let's fast forward to the two shows, the Gamescom show. Yeah, I was very upset. Like, why isn't Halo here? Like, what's going on? We went through the whole thing. No Halo. What, what's going on? And now to where we are now, which is the the Jeff the Jeff Keighley thing. And to Jez's point, you know, yeah, they they love Jeff. You know, to Jez's to Jez's point. We have to admit his influence is tremendous. Mm-hmm. You're going to get the eyes of the non Xbox fan. You're going to get the place. You're going to get the most eyes on his show. There's no doubt about it. You know, so I understood the play, but it just made me question. Well, why did you even have a show to begin with? Because yeah. <laughs> you could have. Li- I mean, they literally showed trip how you pronounce it just trebuchets and age of empire mm. on it was the history channel i was watching on xbox Street. Yeah, yeah they yeah. had them outside they would cannonballs and trebuchets they did not show the trebuchet in the game but i watched jeff's show i get to see the game I'm like wow this game looks cool like yeah. why didn't i see that on the xbox and shout out to paris because i love paris love paris phenomenal job paris is the homie kate love those guys are great and gal but to me, I just didn't understand why that show was necessary if you're going to give Jeff all these things anyway. Mm-hmm. So that was it. To the last point, the um, console, with all this bloviation, I'm not going to lie, when I saw the controller. <laughs> <laughs> I knew it. I knew it. Jess, I got weak. I got weak. <laughs> I had the, the button up there. I, I, I was so distracted, Maddie. We're live streaming with the Lords. I'm not even paying any other game. I'm going to Microsoft.com. I'm oh, like, oh, preload, pre-order, bro, because I'm an elite controller guy. Oh, I got, I got that oh, controller, bro. Wow. Bro, I, had, bro, Dude, I saw I, the $200 price tag. I went, fuck you. You got to no. understand, bro. I am a sucker <laughs> for that stuff. Paddles on the back and, and extra, you know, with my <laughs> FPS, bro. I'm, that's me. The geek in me loves this stuff, right? Okay. So they got me. They got me. I, I was going to go most go all the way with the console, but I'm like, I really don't need it. <laughs> Let me stop. Let me stop. I this. did it out of. I'm trying to white knight when no, I said go, 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 go. I, I didn't touch that limited console. I looked at that was the one I looked at and went, all right, I kind of like that. <laughs> now I was looking into it. And I thought to myself, hey, do I really need a second series X? Like someone in line probably, probably wants it and needs yeah. it. Like I don't need to go get a limited edition console. So yes. I, I talked myself out of it because that was the one yeah. that for me, I have this weird philosophy with, with limited controllers and, uh-huh. and cosmetic ones. Like Xbox is promoting the controller mm. lab. And I'm like, yeah, that's cool. But like, my eyes are up here, man. They're up <laughs> at the screen. Like I'm not. I I look at it once, so I pick it up, and that's it for like three hours now. Yeah, like, yeah, I just, it to me, the console makes more sense. Like it's a talking point. You know, you walk oh, in, yeah. and you're like, oh, it's a Halo console. Like, oh yeah, Halo fan. It's like, oh, yeah. that's, I feel like that's a bigger deal. Uh, that's of more course. important. Uh, and you at least see it, right? It's in, mm-hmm. at least in my case, it's in view. So it's like, yeah. there's something there. But I think you made such strong points, you know, I'm because ha- I the thing is, is I've just accepted they need to get this out in 2021 because it seems mm-hmm. like there's pressure from all ends. But you make such a strong point on the idea that why is 343 facing this pressure? And the only thing I can think of is it's been so long, right? Is it just mm-hmm. time? Like, eventually, you just got to get this out, get the ball rolling. What I didn't like was in the stream where they talked about delaying these features is Joe Staten. And I feel bad because he sort of, he came in yeah. late to fix this game. He should mm-hmm. not be the guy who's just getting destroyed for this. I know where you're going to go. 
But he he did say, you know, oh, it's a it's a service game. This evolves, and I'm just sitting there, just like, no, these are fucking <laughs> core features, man. Like <laughs> the Forge, sure, it can come a little bit later. We've seen that with Halo Five to some extent, but like co-op, we're talking. Oh, it's a service game. It evolves. And so we're going to add this stuff. It's like, no, that's not what people signed up for. That's the one thing I fear with like, we talked about this cog. You and I had an episode mm-hmm. about it with Assassin's Creed infinity, GTA oh, evolving yeah. map, oh, yeah. Halo infinite. I was like, these games as a platform terrify me because a lot of people were bending over backwards for three, four, three, when these features got delayed. And I don't want to mm-hmm. be dramatic or extreme on them you. because you. I think there is an understanding to what Jez said. He's a perfect representation of that for some people. They don't care. And that's right. fine. It makes complete sense. It does not impact them personally. I understand why. But what's happening is there's been a lot of bending over backwards because people are looking at 343 and they're looking at Game Pass and going, well, I don't right. got to pay for it. It's like you're still selling the game. Yes. And there's still going to be people who are buying it for $60, $70. And at that point, they need to ship something feature complete. Um, and we don't know how long this campaign will be, right, with this open world segments. Right. It, could be even longer. I would imagine it's longer than any other Halo mm-hmm. game. We don't know the suite of modes within Halo Infinite's multiplayer. We know Slayer and we know Big Team Battle. Right. There's still so much yet to be told to help determine if that price tag is fair, but they are still selling a product. And I think that we should be always holding these companies accountable. Mm-hmm. This has nothing to do with Halo at this point or 343. Just in general, we got to be saying to these companies, like, give me the best you've got and not this. Well, it's Game Pass because that's how you soften the blow for so many other launches. They're going to see you. They're going to see that feedback online and be like, oh, so you're cool with this. Yeah. Okay. And, it, you know, Xbox has been guilty of the past. They want to see what they can get away with. All companies are doing that. Mm-hmm. Xbox Live Gold. They tried to up the price of that. They want to see what they can do, right? Xbox, the good guys yep. with Game Pass, but they tried to up gold. I mean, yeah. I'm just asking people. You don't got to be pissed, right? I'm not calling right. for outrage, fake outrage. Yeah, we hate that course, shit. Of course. But just be critical of, yeah, of it's this okay. Type of stuff. It's know, okay. I just not that you got to agree with me, right? If, if they don't think no. it's a big deal, that's it. But I'm just saying, some people were really like, "Well, it's in Game Pass, so who cares?" I'm like, "Exactly." See, that, I, I gotta cut you because that was oh, I literally I got crucified on on my own podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I was like the only person. The lords were coming for me. King Saul, no. uh, they all Attic was on my side, but everyone was coming for me, Let's and they were just like, "Look, Cog, it's got to come out." And I'm like, you know, we we talk about that. We talk about the quality, and we talk. I, I'm just. I'm just cognizant of there is a narrative right now, right? Which is for people, for some people who don't necessarily are fans of Game Pass, right? And they'll say, hey, you know, this is Microsoft sometimes just kind of allowing things from a quality control standpoint to come out in certain states because, hey, it's in Game Pass. You know, obviously we had the Outrider situation. You know, me and you talked in depth on Define and Duke Ultimate about the set and some of the issues we had that prevented it from being something really special. And, you know, now it's like, oh, Halo. Oh, don't worry. It's, it, you know, we, we, we'll get that to you. You know, and, and I know what you're saying. Mm-hmm. We're stating with the live service comment when he make, when he said like, okay, you know, well, you know, these games are really not complete. And then at a certain point, you know, we continue to add everybody rolls out. Like, like <laughs> I, I know where you was at, bro. Like that, that's, I felt it to my core. And I, I just don't want that to become a theme. And right. the last point I'll say, as a Destiny fan, watching the Destiny stream prior, I saw them really promoting the Bungie anniversary, right? And they were promoting Halo heavily. And I thought that was very interesting. You know what I mean? And just because usually destiny streams don't 
they act like Halo doesn't exist sometimes, even though it was it came from them. Yeah. So I thought the timing of that in December, and I said it on stream. I have a funny feeling this before, the, like a day before, Halo's going to drop in December because mm. it coincides. And the final point I'll make is, again, with the boardroom and, and it having to come out this year, is y'all know me. I like my geek swag. I, got, mm. I even got a Halo shirt on today. There <laughs> right? you go. I love my geek swag. But I'll tell you one thing. If you go, this for months now, Halo 20th anniversary, right? I've been trying to get, they got the cups, they got the shirts, it's got mm. the gold 20, it's got massive, it's some sick looking geek drip i need this in my life mm-hmm. i could not just find this thing it's been sold out for months like the marketing behind it like halo has its own section in the xbox gear store so i was like wow this is tremendous that they are i even have the thing to email me let me know when it's back in stock never <laughs> back in stock so i in my mind i'm like wow this is extremely important from a marketing standpoint and that led it just led me to believe this is another reason why this game has to come out this year and i just worry for the quality of the game that when we get this game, Maddie, I hope the polish is there. Yeah. I hope that not waiting three to six months that the game should need is there. But I'm curious with y'all. That, that's that's my last rant on yeah, it. Yeah, you, you, you set up the spotlight perfectly where it's like, now what happens with these lack of features? I wish I said this in my initial tangent because it probably would have made it more digestible for the, mm-hmm. the listener. But now that you've removed features, what happens is every other feature that's left remaining is put under a microscope. It's happened with, it's not just Halo once again. This happens with every game. Reviewers do it constantly because now there's less, so there's, there's less to focus on. So you've just got to really, like that campaign needs to be good. Yeah. Those story faux pas that you saw in Halo 5 have to be non-existent now. Right. Multiplayer can't just be fun. It's got to be balanced. It's mm-hmm. got to be like, you got to feel like on launch, like we've got it, right? Like this mm-hmm. is the package. That's the feeling that they've created by removing stuff. And of course, the weight amps up that anxiety and that anticipation. But yeah, man, Halo Infinite this December. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how it all unfolds. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. All right, let's get into number two. We talked a lot about that Gamescom show. Now, I need to specify, when we say opening night live, that's Keeley's show. We're going to talk about Xbox's Gamecom stream first. It sure was something. We got a list of announcements for you that we're going to run through, and then we'll just talk about them individually. So Forza Horizon 5 unveiled its cover car, the Mercedes-AMG 1 and the 2021 Ford Bronco Badlands. They also showed eight minutes of beautiful gameplay. Age of Empires 4 showed off a documentary on trebuchets. It is one of 28 unlockable videos as part of its hands-on history storytelling element for the game. This holiday, Xbox Cloud Gaming comes to consoles. Microsoft Flight Simulator gets World Update 6, which celebrates the region of Germany, Austria, and Switzerland. This will will also be adding racing to the game this November as part of the partnership with the Reno Air Racing Association. On September 1st, State of Decay 2 fans can return to where it all started in an update branded Homecoming, which takes players back to a remastered version of Trumbull Valley, the first game's map. It will also feature new stories, achievements, weapons, and six new bases. 
continuing on with that post-apocalyptic vibe. Wasteland 3 Colorado Collection has been unveiled. This will drop October 5th, featuring Battle for Steeltown and the newly announced Cult of the Holy Detonation. The package will charge you $60, while the newest and final add-on will run owners of the game $7 separately. Next, Crusader Kings 3 arrives to next-gen consoles later this year. By the way, not exclusive. This is also on PlayStation. Humble Bundle brings its indie games to Xbox Game Pass day one. Those games are the already available Dodgeball Academia. You can play that right now. Archvale, Bushiden, Chinatown Detective Agency, Flynn, Son of Crimson, Midnight Fight Express, Next Space Rebels, Signalis, Unpacking, and Unsighted. Nearing the end here, Stray Blade was revealed in its releasing 2022 for next-gen consoles only. Also, by the way, I need to emphasize here, not exclusive, just a reveal. Okay. And lastly, the gunk reemerges and is arriving this December where it'll surely outperform Halo <laughs> Infinite. So that's all we got from Xbox's Gamecom showcase. I know there's not a, a rich amount to pick from here, but gentlemen, anything here excite you? I don't know. That might be a little bit of hyperbolic, but like anything here, just catch your interest. Jez, how do you feel about the whole thing? Fucking love Trevor shares, man. <laughs> <laughs> Damn it, Jez. Damn it. Nah, I, I, Trebuchet's a pretty sick man. The engineering that goes into a Trebuchet. <laughs> man. But nah, like, um, <sighs> I think f- for me, the most exciting thing was the Wasteland DLC, probably. Yeah, like, I yeah, haven't, yeah. Yeah. Fair here. Yeah. I haven't done the other Wasteland DLC because it's like, well, I'll have to start a whole new playthrough to do the DLC. And then they'll release another DLC and I'll have to do another playthrough. Mm-hmm. So I was just thinking I'll wait till they're all yeah. out. And then mm. I'll do another playthrough. Same with the the Arrow Worlds too. Like the mm. the way the way that some of these games handle DLC is just a bit strange to me. You rather anyway. be like post story, right? Not like yeah, in the in the yeah. middle. Yeah, yeah. It'd be better if they were post story. Like you could take your character and just carry on playing. But I guess mm. depending on some certain decisions you make, there might not be a post story. So um, yeah. also the State of Decay thing was interesting. Like the fact that they still keep supporting that game is. Is yeah. mind blowing to me, but it also makes yeah. me think like, if they're putting this much effort into State of Decay Two, what's going on with State of Decay Three? You know, I thought like, that was the same. I thought the same exact thing. Rather, yeah, I, I immediately yeah. saw that and went, "This is impressive," because if they're making progress with State of Decay Three and they're just dropping this, because they did mention it as a remaster, they called it a re. So I don't know if that usually remasters are termed as something easier for game development compared to like yeah. making something from the ground up. So maybe that's how they were able to do this. Yeah, maybe. I haven't. I honestly have barely jumped back into State of Decay since they put so much, so many updates into it. I put yeah, about like fifty hours into it originally, mm. and then just I just kind of dropped off. Like the the whole gameplay loop of killing plague hearts over and over again gets really old after a while. I wish they'd right. had like more mechanics and not just you know, more weapons yeah. or whatever. I, I do agree. Big yeah. time I'm, I'm right there with you. You know, Juggernaut Edition is what pulled me back in. I thought that was really impressive for what they had to do. But I'm in the same way where I, I would love to see some more gameplay mechanics be thrown in because they're always like oh, new maps, new weapons, new stories. I don't mm-hmm. know about both of you, but mm-hmm. when it comes to me, I don't I couldn't tell you a thing about a state of decay story at all. Yeah, it's, it's basically create your own. That's why I love it so much. I mean, it's my own resource management, the bases and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. That stuff excites me about State of the Clay. I'm totally with Jez. You know, the Plague Heart stuff kind of got redundant. But continue, Jez. Yeah. You, you were going on with what else you like. Like, add fishing to the game, man. <laughs> there he is. <laughs> there he is. Vintage let me, Jez. Let me fish some Plague fish <laughs> or something. I don't know. Plague 
Yeah, I don't know. But but yeah, there, there wasn't a huge amount of stuff there. There were some really cool indies that were shown off. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go back and collate some of those into an article. Mm-hmm. But they, they did kind of like try Aaron Greenberg tried to set some expectations not to expect like yes. perfect dark or hellblade or anything like that. It was like of course. updates to, to known games. I, I kind of mm-hmm. wish that there, there would have been something more interesting, like an, like a guess, even if it was just like 30 seconds of gameplay for hellblade would have done me, yeah. you know, or 30 mm-hmm. seconds of gameplay of state of K3 or whatever. But Microsoft really likes, they don't, they like to do this, like this thing where, they they tease a game with a cool CGI trailer, mm-hmm. and then they don't tell you anything for years, <laughs> years, yeah. and then the game gets cancelled. Hi, Scout. <laughs> Hi, Phantom. <laughs> no, let's not jinx anything. Touch, touch oh, wood. Not my wood, like actual wood. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but nah. Um, but yeah, it was, it was an interesting show. I almost feel like. They could have condensed it, make it more Nintendo Directy. Like, I do love, you know, I do love the state IP and I do love the Wasteland IP. So, I, I'm glad we're seeing more of that stuff. But, but yeah, I guess like for the big heavy hitters, we need to wait for another show. And you know, mm-hmm. I do love Jeff Keighley, so maybe mm-hmm. the Game Awards is the next big one. Though I have heard there might be the Tokyo Game Show as well this year. Oh, oh, so maybe something there too, because Microsoft Ooh. is enjoying its biggest ever, you know, thing in Japan right now. Like they're selling more Ooh. consoles than ever in Japan, which is a low bar. Let's yes, 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 let's be honest. It's a low yes, bar. But yes, yes, yes. considering PlayStation's collapse in Japan, I feel like there's there's no better time than right now to try and push Xbox in Japan. So I think being at the Tokyo Game Show with some heavy hitter would be a pretty cool thing to do. So Sega. Persona on Xbox. <laughs> Sega. But yeah, I don't know. Yeah, those are my thoughts. I just, I, I wasn't expecting much and didn't read it. Neither much. was I. That's why I was so shocked. I was disappointed. I, I, I went in with flat expectations, as in zero. Like, I, you know, if anything, I guess you could say I was expecting it to not be great, but I didn't. I didn't think anything was gonna blow me away, right? So even with that in mind, I, I just thought this was a really. It didn't need to exist. There's no disrespect yeah. to the host, right? But like, there's yeah. it, it, there is no reason this show had to exist. I am right there with Jez, not to really echo him too hard here, but yeah, Wasteland Three Colorado Collection. Yeah. Oh, absolutely, right. That's an yeah. easy purchase. Now, one distinguishment I want to make for the audience before they ask it all is uh, this collection comes with a dlc whereas if you were to get the game on game pass you only get the base game so you still have to pay for the dlc yes. so just keep that in mind uh when you're shopping around wasteland 3 but yeah stated k2 was a, a one that stuck out to me now there was a game that we saw more of at jeff Keeley's show opening night live and that game was midnight fight express oh talk to me baby talk this, to me this is an talk indie game coming through humble humble bundle it's gonna be day one on game pass it's made by one person who's jeff Keeley said was a 30 year old polish father mm-hmm. one person and all i'm saying is take all that sifu hype right yes. and share yeah. it here because yeah. we love sifu right now because of that that kung fu action mm-hmm. looks smooth kind of has a mix of arkham and like a little bit of crunchiness to it mm-hmm. and then i'm looking at this and you see more environmental interactions. It, mm-hmm. It's smooth. The animations are beautiful. Animations. I mean, it just looks 
amazing. Like it's on my must playlist. Like it's up there with the indies of like replaced that Preach. Xbox is pushing. To me, this was the most exciting reveal they had because I looked at it and went like, yes. If anything, Xbox needs to drive in two areas, right? We talked about Japan a ton. Jez just emphasized it. I think they need to keep pushing indies. Indies want to go to Game Pass, right? Like they want yeah. that player count. They want to be there. And they are getting some really good looking games through it. And I think they need to keep pushing that initiative. And so that and Bushiden as well, uh, yes. I thought both looked amazing. I thought Bushiden would be the game you'd be going, ooh, about Bro, that. You know, I, yeah, Ninja you know me. I was yeah. in. I was in. You yeah. know how it, I think. Yeah. I, if you're finished. I no, I'm done. Yeah, there's. I could sit here and roast this show all yeah, day. I'll, but, you know, I'll, <laughs> I'll save listen, the audience, right? Both of, you, both of you guys said everything as far as the, the, the need, the necessity for the show, right? We, we mm-hmm. both agree there. You know, it was definitely light for me, but overall. But there were some titles that, you know, I thought, Look good, you know. Um, Age of Empires or uh, Forza. I mean, well, I didn't show it there, but Forza. Um, I did think Microsoft flight some of the shows good. I I was surprised that we got like some type of PvP mode or something like that. That I thought that was interesting. Yeah, I didn't know if there yeah. was anything beyond that, but right to me, it was like State of the Cape. Pleasant surprise, like you said, didn't expect more of it. Wasteland didn't expect more content from it. So all the stuff. For 2021, I'm like, okay, I get it. But I was disappointed in another reason, which was like, where was Scorn? Where's Bright Memory Infinite? You know, Crossfire X we did eventually get, you know, on Jeff's show, which we'll get into. But, you know, um, there were a couple there. And as far as overall, I looked at it, the indies got a chance to shine here. And Mm -hmm. I'm totally with you. You know, Midnight Express, and that, that was it. And last disappointment was the gunk was like very small, very light. Yeah, I was going to say that was one thing I wanted to spotlight once more yeah. before we move on. It reemerged is coming out. They didn't even say a release date. They put it that in the wire. Like, I think it was just a bad trailer because they, they didn't even put their date there. And, and mm-hmm. they had a date ready, which is it's coming out this December. And mm-hmm. I actually thought it was a more encouraging showing of the yeah. game. Um, it showed how more serious it is. than I thought just based off your name, the mm-hmm. gunk, like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. <laughs> doesn't really sound that serious i i, I know character used, used to crank on a vowed man but like yeah. I, I don't know why we weren't putting that energy into the gunk that's what my head <laughs> yeah, the gunk like, might be one of them yeah i was like dude this, this just, there's just there's just something wrong about that mm-hmm. name right there's a lot of innuendos that could be tied to that but beyond that mm-hmm. it reminded me a little bit of like blinks of time sweeper in a way and i yes. was i was really into that it's been a while since we've seen something kind of like that and mm-hmm. i'd love on a side note if xbox somehow managed to bring that back but Shout out to blinks. the gunk I thought looked better and it should have had a little bit more time, but they sort of showed it, moved on. And um, that was really unfortunate because that was one of the games people were waiting for updates on. Big time, big time. But the true show really was opening night live where we got a lot of stuff to talk about here. Some really exciting, I thought, some less so. So let's go through all of it in the bulk of announcements through this two-hour show hosted by Jeff Keighley. For starters, Saints Row reboot. It's coming February 2022. Marvel Midnight Suns. Cog. All over this one. Tactical RPG by Firaxis coming March 2022. Cult of the Lamb was announced. Also, they showed more Midnight Fight Express, emphasizing this is coming to Game Pass, and it will be arriving summer 2022. Mm-hmm. Then... Got the shirt on, baby. TMNT, Shredder's Revenge. No fucking release date. <laughs> but you can play as April O'Neil. Team Attacks, reviving via pizza. Mm-hmm. Looking sharp. Cannot wait for this game. Afterwards, they kept the good times rolling. Super Monkey Ball, Banana Mania. It's arriving October 5th. You'll have 12 party games and Morgana. 
from Persona mm-hmm. 5 will be joining that roster of mm-hmm. Sega characters. Splitgate Season 0 will begin with a new map and infection mode right now. Riders Republic beta is up until August 28th. UFL was revealed. It's a free-to-play soccer game across all major platforms, so that's going to be an interesting experiment, I think, given that mm-hmm. sports games are sort of in limbo right now. Yeah. We finally got an update for LEGO Star Wars Skywalker Saga, a new trailer showcasing a galaxy map, which takes you to all different parts of LEGO. It looks incredible, and it's coming spring 2022. The Outlast Trials have shown off. You can either play by yourself or three other players in multiplayer. That will be launching 2022. This one was weird. Doke V. It's this creature collecting game that is one of the most psychedelic weird trailers you'll see. It's uh, it's very long, too, and uh, it's like an MMO. They didn't give a release window as far as I saw when I was watching mm-hmm. it, but I was also very... If you go back and watch my reaction, my mouth was just like hanging open a hair. I was, <laughs> I was so caught by what this, what this game was offering. Mm-hmm. Nearing the end of the list, Jurassic World Evolution got a release date of November 9th, 2021. Vampire the Masquerade Blood Hunt, not Bloodlines 2, by the way, for those who are wondering, enters early access September 7th. This is the uh, Battle Royale Vampire the Masquerade game. Very fitting for the brand, I'm sure. <laughs> Jess is shaking his head. Dude, it's so disgusting. <laughs> Park Beyond comes to PC and next-gen consoles next year. Jet the Far Shore arrives on PS5, PS4, and Epic Game Store, for those of you on PC. October 5th mm-hmm. horizon forbidden West finds its way into the showcase as well with its own release date, February 18th, 2022. It has mm-hmm. also an enhanced performance patch coming to horizon complete edition on PS five. Right now, new mm-hmm. world will have an open beta from September 9th to the 12th ahead of its launch at the end of that month. Replace got a small teaser really focusing on music in the trailer, which mm-hmm. I guess people really liked because they dedicated a whole trailer to it. Here we are, Age of Empires 4. It had a new gameplay trailer. Gameplay, wow. Yeah, gameplay. Didn't know that was going to be available. Uh, It showed off two campaigns, the Hundred Years' War and Rise to Moscow, and also the Holy Roman Empire as a new civilization. Crossfire X, another game we were wondering about. Just coming soon, but they showed off some maps. Looks pretty sharp. Showed off the campaign. Remedy has said, as we covered last week on Defining Duke, that this game going to be ready for 2021 so we'll see when Mm -hmm. last but not least sifu arrives february 22nd 2022 and then they had an extended look at death stranding director's cut don't really care about that though but where do we start with this one we actually got some good stuff to talk about here i mean lots of games of course by the way i didn't mention it because we talked about it at the top but halo infinite release date was in the mix of of course of course so where do you want cog i kind of want to put you on the spot here and pass it to you with midnight Suns. yes Oh, I know CGI. It was... Look, I, I know CGI, but I got to know why Jess is shaking his head. <laughs> yeah, I got on. to know why, though, before I talk. Oh, you're muted. You're muted. So he's pissed off Jess screaming into the He's board. so pissed off. He's muted. I love it. XCOM died for this. The... <laughs> oh, that's why. Oh, I get it X-Com now. XCOM died okay, for okay, this. <laughs> Listen, I, I I hear you, brother, and I I I do want my XCOM three. You know where the XCOM bros here. We are team turn based. I'm with you, 
But this is a, just a different little, this is the intermission before we get our, our baby, right? Now, the Marvel fanboy in BJ's, I'm not going to lie. I am curious. I want to see. And he just like, he doesn't like, he feels it's a bastard. He's like, I'm, I'm going to push back. <laughs> Look, y'all. I am curious. I want to know what this is about. Mm-hmm. And I'm a Marvel fanboy. I want to see them in this this whole thing. Now, obviously, you cannot play as the characters. I guess they're going to be support characters, stuff like that. But then I'm hearing also that it's not purely in the vein of XCOM. So that's the only concern. Like, what are we really doing? Because if that's the case and it's a departure, then I'll side back with Jazz. And I'll say, okay, then XCOM definitely. Wait, so you said like <laughs> right real now, quickly. You said like Blade, yeah. Doctor Strange. You don't. They're not going to be playable. No, 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 no. I heard. For, yeah, I heard that the the char- that they are not playable initially. Let's some. Uh, I'm, I'm just looking at a Polygon of, article, and what it, does it say? Please it tell says, me. Uh, we play based as them? RPG shares zero mechanics with XCOM. Won't include permadeath. Uh, but it says Ferox has confirmed that Iron Man, Captain America, Captain Marvel, Doctor Strange, Blade, Nico, Minoru, Magic, Robbie, Raises, Ghost Rider, and Wolverine will all be playable. Oh, sorry. I no, yeah, I just want to make sure because I, I think that's a no, major No, no, thank factor. you for correcting me. I did not know because the initial rumor coming in was – I don't want to put in a person's name on the spot. But the rumors coming in was that you weren't going to play as them. So that excites me a little bit more. But the thing where I got to give Jess credit is I did want it in the – kind of traditional format so i'm but i need to see it i need to see i'm just i'm just curious i want to know what's going on but that was this is that that was all so yeah polygon did a full interview with them and it says you'll play missions with up to three heroes as you develop the hunter's powers when you're not in combat an open world area will help you form bonds with fellow heroes Mm -hmm. so you're not them like so you them or you You not play as a they built a whole new superhero for this game that you play as which i thought was actually really cool I, I like that Marvel mm-hmm. gave them that freedom. And the villain group that they're playing against, I've also never seen. So that's what has me excited, right? We're not getting into right. this familiar grounds. I So I think that's right. that's going to be cool. Because th- it's one thing I liked about mm. Spider-Man on PS4 was, you know, when you bring in, uh, mm-hmm. uh, what's his name, Mr. Negative? Is that his right, right. You bring him in. I've never heard of him before. He was like this comic book right. villain, and that was really it. You know? <laughs> and, and so when you br- brought him to the table, I was like, oh, I'm about this. Mr. I have my Negative? browser up right now. So is, is that his name? <laughs> I just is laughing. I just, I just, I I just hate Marvel. I just hate it. I just, oh, I just hate it. Jen. It's too colorful. Jen. It's too happy. Oh. I always win, man. I it's 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 not not like this, I'm too bri- I'm not too like British this. for Marvel. Captain America. Where's Captain Britain? Is that a thing? <laughs> <laughs> is that a thing? So I take it you're a DC man. You're you're a man of culture. You're a DC man. I I, I enjoy the more depressing tone of DC. Generally, nice. <laughs> I'm generally not. Yeah, I've, tri- I've tried Marvel, man. I watched I watched I watched the first Avengers movie on a wicked mm. hangover, and I was just like, this is terrible. And I tried watching <laughs> Iron Man. And I was just like, "What?" Oh come on, the disrespect—he's so disrespectful. <laughs> he is so disrespectful. Like he is boiling. We're going to look at these invites. Right? Like, I, I don't know I'm if I can to take them more. I don't know if I can. I'm emotional. <laughs> he's in, I got me in my feelings. Now. That's my man. Jez, Jez is my guy. I, I actually like when Jez rips stuff that people like. I think it's the yeah. funniest thing. Like he doesn't like Halo. I think it's the funniest yeah, thing. Yeah, you but like continue, it. I like Halo. Such a plot twist. <laughs> 
<laughs> I love it. It's funny. Uh, it's all good. Mm-hmm. It's all good. If you're a fan, if you if you like those kind of, you know, I don't know. I don't know what you call them. At first, I thought when we saw this game, it was Ultimate Alliance 4. I was like, yo, what? I, I didn't think yeah, this would what? be the, the Firaxis game. So I'm, gameplay reveals in September. Right. I'm very excited. Is this the first time that was announced? Sorry. It leaked. It leaked uh, at it E3. Leaked. It leaked. I think Jason Schreier had leaked it. And then yeah, everyone thought it would be yeah, there. And then then Take-Two said in an investor's call, they're like, we have a big game that's going to impact our, mm-hmm. our uh, quarterly earnings mm-hmm. by fiscal 2022. And we're like, it's got to be Firaxis. It's gotta be. We knew it. And it's gotta be the Marvel game. What's funny is when we were predicting that, I always I always find this hilarious is we both at the same time forgot about this game. And then we were like, it's gotta mm-hmm. be Marvel. And we're like, wait, didn't a Marvel game from 2K leak? Yes. So yes. Yeah. Beyond that, though, mm-hmm. we've got a lot of other games to talk about. What did y'all think of Saints Row and it's showing? I um I was not looking for goofiness, gents. I was not looking for goofiness. I don't want to make this too negative, but I just was not looking for the fun happy going reverse on the top of a building hey asshole shooting a rocket launcher that we saw in this trailer because in my opinion the time was now to strike with a true crime story something serious something gritty because everyone's looking for that new gta you got watchdogs Mm -hmm. in the corner over there that's kind of trying to find its relevancy this was your time to bring back saints row to the saints row one saints row two days and it doesn't look i don't think it'll be saints row three and four but it doesn't look like they're they're going full grittiness. And I'm I'm gonna keep an open mind. It looks a lot more mm-hmm. like on a graphical level, Agents of Mayhem, but I'm a little I was a little disappointed by this showing. And where do you guys fall yeah. on this one? Too happy. Uh, mommy quick. I, I'm not a Saint. Yeah, I'm not a Saints Row guy. So for me, okay. when I saw this, I was like, this is not motivating me to get into this mm, series okay. still. I'm good, but that's just me. No, no, do you no, know no. it might be feel? No, no. How it made you feel? It made me feel oh, old. No. <laughs> the dude running around here with the, the kawaii Japanese helmet. There's memes flying all over the place. There's people with haircuts. Uh, <laughs> I'm just sitting there thinking, am I out of touch? Am I is this is this what's cool now? It looked like a Fortnite trailer, man. It looked terrible. <laughs> for me. Yeah. For me. Very, I think that our I think that our style is got now. No, no, I don't think you are because I think in all fairness, we can legitimately argue that this art style needs to just be left to Fortnite because any game that falls into that, I think is in a dangerous area. There are people, I don't know. Maybe we're not seeing the numbers, right? But I don't think more people are buying them when they see the art style and go, yo, it's like Fortnite. I think at least mm-hmm. from a core gamer standpoint, people are looking at it going, oh, fuck, it looks like Fortnite. Like it's not an inventive art style anymore. And it hasn't been right. for a while since it got very popular. Oh, and we saw a couple copycats come in, right? Yeah. Looks terrible. What did you guys think of? How about this? Over here being all diplomatic. I'm just gonna say, if there's, it looks, if, there's <laughs> if there's one way you can date yourself, though, right? It would be with Lego Star Wars, Jez. That's one game that can make you feel old. So, what do you think of uh, Skywalker Saga? I mean, was this? Did this tickle your fancy? Well, we talked about how Saints Row stole Fortnite's art style. The Lego game stole Halo's art style. What's that about? <laughs> Oh, yeah. oh, oh. Jays, Jays. <laughs> we got you now. <laughs> I, I've actually never played a Lego game in my life, what? except for Halo. What? So, wow! Oh, the Halo. <laughs> okay. but I've, I've never played a Lego game. I've never played one ever. Mm. Have you just not been interested? Mm. I just, I just have no joy in my life. 
I'm going to start giving you that joy, right? Like the step one was bringing you here on this show. You get a couple of laughs. Next step is in spring. I'll gift you the game, right? I'll gift it to you. I'll be like, just smile, man. Lego mm-hmm. Star Wars Skywalker yeah. saga is in your library. You can hold me to it. Message yeah. me. I'll just be like, all right. Because I we got it. We, I was yeah. going to say, I remember with King when uh, he was yeah. all big on Biomutant, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, he yeah. was going hard. Yeah. Yeah. I remember yeah. I was like, I got to mail him a letter Ooh. of a, a apology. Yeah. Now, I never did it because I was like, this is probably a dick move. I'm going to talk to King outside of one show and I'm about to send a letter to his house being like, dear King, I'd like to let you know that actually Biomutant is not that good. Dear King. Yeah, he was going on. I mean, look, I, I, I hear jazz, man. You know, some games just ain't for everybody, man. Just Am I alone on this mountain here? No, it looked cool to me. I thought it looked cool. No, I mean, don't get me wrong. I like the the first person aspect of it. And I'm not like a big Star Wars guy, but I, I thought it it showed well. I thought it looked fun, mm-hmm. goofy, what Lego is supposed to be. You know what I mean? So, you know, you get for the Star Wars geeks, you know, get it up on. I, I liked it. I, I like the camera angles mm-hmm. that they showed. And it's usually with the gunplay. And I think it was kind of like over the yeah, shoulder. Yeah, it was a little tighter. A little bit. Yeah, it was a little tighter. So I was like, nah, I said, that's going to sell. People Hell love yeah. that. It's, it's all. It was a little bit further mm-hmm. out than I wanted it to be, though. Spring 2022, I was yeah. a little disappointed by that. Yeah. I was, I, I was thinking they would surprise us this year, but sorry, go on. What were you going to say? Yeah. No, I was going to say, uh, um, outside of that, I was surprised to see Crossfire. You were surprised to? Okay, let's get into that. I was, because I was worried. Mm-hmm. I was worried. I was like, what's going on? You know, Are we doing it? Are we not doing it? And I thought it looked good. Yeah. I was I was pleasantly surprised. I was like, yo, that actually looks really impressive mm-hmm. graphically. So, you know, we still don't got the hard and fast date, but um and this is a weird situation, right? Isn't it like Remedy's doing the narrative? Yeah. Jazz, like what what's the what's the situation with uh what with Crossfire X? Is it like split team de- development? Um from what I understand, Remedy have already finished the campaign. They've finished okay. all their work on the game months ago. Mm-hmm. Is what I what I've heard, mm. and um, mm. yeah. So the holdup is Smallgate over on the other side, ah, um, tying it together. Gotcha. You know the the multiplayer and all that stuff, sort of making it into a package. Mm-hmm. So, right. and uh, I've heard that it is on track for twenty twenty one. I think Remedy said that as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, the, no. it's not. It's out of Remedy's hands. They've done the work they needed to do, from what I've heard. Mm-hmm. And uh, okay, so we just have to wait and see, you know. Okay, I think it's a game that can potentially surprise a lot of people. It looked pretty strong. It looked strong to me. I was just like, "Wow, graphics look strong." And of course, for Maddie, I was thinking about you. The Tamils comes up. I see the TMNT. Yeah. I see April dropping mics, pizzas, nineties. Oh. I'm like, oh, yeah. this is. Turtles, dude, baby. Let's dude, go. I love the outfit they gave April O'Neil because I literally, I don't think yes. you, no, you can't see it, but like in my hallway, mm-hmm. I've got the the turtle cabinet, the arcade cabinet that one, ah. April, uh, one up was selling. And it's got that mm-hmm. April O'Neil on like the yellow jumpsuit and the microphone. Yes. Vintage. Yeah, and when I saw that, I was like, yo, like they get it. And then you see the team attacks, right? That's something that the, like they, they mm-hmm. managed to get this, a clear nostalgia attack on you, right? Like they're, they're assaulting you with it. But then they evolve it a little bit. Like the team attacks are something that is so key to the Ninja Turtles that really no game has ever captured. Well, I should say there are games that I've, I've mm-hmm. played a disgusting amount of TMNT games and, and just they do mm-hmm. them. But there are ones like out of the shadows. Shout out to that downloadable Xbox Live. Game. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I thought it was all right. Although it's like mm-hmm. got a three on Metacritic. You know, it's 
So besides <laughs> the point, but that game tried to do team attacks and more Arkham style combat. And like, I think it's the closest they mm -hmm. ever got. And so this one, when you see like Raph leap into April's hands and she like springs him, mm -hmm. I think that's a really encouraging sign of what's to come. Also, your boy went full in-depth analysis. I noticed on the art, April what lined up on the right side. There's space on that left side. So I yes, think there's going to be more. more. And I just thought that was overall yes. a treat. I thought this was going to be just a typical TMNT romp. You know, you got the turtles, you go through a couple levels. It's four hours long. That's it. Mm -hmm. More characters, though. I yes. love that. I love that. I hope they almost yeah. create two squads. It's something that um, I got I to gotta mm -hmm. get into my, my TMNT bag a little bit here. Yeah. Good. A game called you know what's better than TMNT? What do you have? Uh oh wait did you say bad no do, do you know what's better. better than tmnt oh better okay let's hear it biker mice hear from it. mars what is this Ooh, what's this you, you don't know what bikers might biker, biker mice from mars is Ooh. is that a british thing no what's this? oh my god that gotta be a british thing well, I'm, I'm I'm the, the joke falls flat if you don't know what it is <laughs> but <laughs> biker, biker mice from mars was like just a total ripoff right of TMNT. Oh, oh, I'm seeing it right now. Yes, it's a Super Nintendo joint. Wow, that is like it's like a kids' TV wow. show. It was it was basically TMNT, wow. but instead of mutant turtles, it's mice. mutant biker mice. <laughs> biker mice. I'm looking at this. That was that was a British yes. show. But that wow. was that was a I've show. I've never was like, heard of this. I've never heard. Seriously, of this. What the hell? I'm yeah, really hoping some of the people this. listening to this show know what I'm talking about, so I don't look like a total idiot. Oh my but, god! What about, what about Street Sharks? What? You know that one? No, dude. No, there on, is on. there is a range of TMNT knockoffs. There's a whole world. Oh There's a whole world you have you have yet to explore, my friend. Is it Strange Sharks? Is that Street Sharks? Oh, so street. these were mutant sharks. Yeah. <laughs> Have you seen out of this stuff? No, it's... Oh, my. Yeah, this, you right. can even see in the key art. Like, yeah, this is 100% TMNT. <laughs> yeah, there's, there's a huge amount of They're coming out in different directions. It's got the yeah. logo at the top. Yeah, there's a huge Ooh. amount of knockoffs. And for some reason, it, I don't know if this is a UK thing as well, I didn't really get TMNT on TV very much. Maybe the rights were too Ooh. expensive for British TV channels. So Ooh. we got a lot of the knockoffs. Where you got your bike and mice yeah, from Mars right and your street from Mars. It's 94. <laughs> yeah, because it says series aired 93 to 96 US, but UK, they had 94 to 97. Oh, right. Yeah, the, yeah it was big. It looked like it was big. Biker mm -hmm. mice from Mars. Knockoffs. I didn't even know about these TMT knockoffs. Yeah, yeah, that's what, that's what I had as a child. I couldn't afford TMNT. <laughs> in, fact, in fact, here's something you might not know. It wasn't even called uh -huh. TMNT in the UK. No. It was censored. censored. It was called Teenage Mutant Hero Turtles in the UK. Because what? they decided Ninja is they decided the word ninja was too violent. Seriously, look look oh, that no, up. See. Teenage Mutant Hero Turtles. That's what it was called in the UK. In the UK. I, this is killing my ninja <laughs> soul right now. What? I never knew that. Yeah, it's true. Teenage Mutant so, Hero Turtles? Yeah. You want to go a little bit deeper, Biker Mice from Mars has a game on PS2 that is both a like action bike riding game and a <laughs> and a 3D brawler. <laughs> and it looks terrible. I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah, I'm looking at it oh right now. God. This looks so bad. <laughs> wow. Yeah, he's right. Name change. Yes, the the name of the show was changed to Mutant, Ninja, Mutant Hero Turtles because the word ninja had a violent connotation. Yes. What? Wow. 
So, so my my experience yeah, of childhood is completely nowadays. different. And thankfully, wow. thankfully, because of that censorship, mm-hmm. I haven't become a ninja. So, <laughs> thank you, British government. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> you were protecting man. I'm sorry, man. We we totally sidetracked you I, from your. From I think your all baby. I was saying was that there was room for another. Ca- <laughs> oh, right. I was getting into why I want yeah. them to do more characters. It's because there's this game, uh, TMNT Battle Nexus. Um, this was mm. the second one that was under Konami on the on the PS2, GameCube, original Xbox mm-hmm. era, and it was in that game that you could unlock a secondary character for everyone. So, like, you would right. scroll down, and beneath each of them, like, Raph would have Casey Jones, and so you could play as Casey instead of mm-hmm. Raph. But they'd have similar move sets, and like, instead of Donatello, you could play as Master Splinter. And so, I hope that they go in on that because I think with the team play, they could sort of revive that one part of the game mm-hmm. that I really liked. But I just wanted to call that out specifically. No, salute, salute. I really liked Baxter Stockman. Was that his name? Oh, yeah. Yes. The fly, mm-hmm. the fly dude. I really liked that dude. No, that was, no, yeah. what, was Baxter Stockman? No, Baxter Stockman was the guy with the mousers. He was like the, the, the little robots that look, that have like the clamp mouths. He was oh, the scientist who was, unless there was a different rendition of Baxter Stockman, I'm not thinking of. Yeah. In, <laughs> in the cartoon, Baxter Stockman turns himself into a fly. Okay. Uh, by see how old are you guys? Are you guys like I'm in your twenties? Oh my god! No, 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 I'm down my twenties. I'm up there. <laughs> history I lesson. Old man. Say history lesson. Yes. In the nineties, teenage mutant ninja turtles, mm-hmm. hero oh. turtles. Sorry, Baxter Stockman oh. accidentally turns himself into a a mutant fly creature. Okay, as inspired Ooh. by the hit movie The Fly, I believe. The fly. Yeah, so, wow. Gotcha. And so, that, that whole story arc really disturbed me as a child. So <laughs> luckily they took the ninja out, but human uh-huh. fly hybrid was completely fine. That was fine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. So totally that fine. makes sense because the rendition I'm familiar with was the 2003 Hero Turtles take, which he was more of like a scientist who I don't think he ever turned himself into a fly. Yeah, later in the third Ooh, season, wow. Baxter reappears in Bye Bye Fly, eking out a miserable living in the catacombs beneath the city, feeding off of trash. Yes, oh my yes. God. As the episode be- as the Dark. episode began, he stumbled across a group of archaeologists who had unearthed what appeared to be an ancient temple beneath the city. <laughs> he chased the archaeologists out and investigated the temple, which in actuality turned out to be an interdimensional spaceship that had crashed on Earth centuries ago. What the fuck? I gotta watch the original turtles. <laughs> Wow. Dude, what? Dude, watch it. It holds up. It's it's really good. I've heard it's, it's really, really good. good yeah. yeah, yeah. Two thousand three rendition is still my favorite. But my, my soul had already left my body by then. Yes, <laughs> certainly. There's no returning now. <laughs> what, what? I mean, beyond that, what else on this list uh, did you guys want to talk about? Because I mean, there's so many games here, but we've we've hit some of our major major heavy hitters. Did you guys like a uh, Cult of Lamb? It was that like. You had a village that you were managing and you were literally running your own cult. Like you were playing as a sheep that like his eyes were bleeding. It was very like <laughs> Vaguely remember. Vaguely remember, was, yeah. Probably yeah, the reason you probably forgot is this was, this came right after Midnight Sun. So you're probably like Oh, oh, yeah. oh, if it came after Midnight Sun or if it came after the Halo controller mm-hmm. console announcement, my I was yeah. distracted. <laughs> so, like when I see the, the Devolver logo slapped on a game, I just think, yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. I'll play it mm-hmm. lately. Mm-hmm. Devolver, yeah. Devolver, they know how to pick an indie, that studio. Yeah, yes. they, they really, really do. Devolver is like become one of my favorite publishers in recent years and their marketing their marketing is hilarious 
but yeah, Call of Lamb looks pretty cool. If you like, you know, cults and violence, which yeah, I just looks really weird to do. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> How else are you going to lift yourself up, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's really at least if I personally wanted to talk about anything, you guys want to throw in there, or shall we move on? Oh, those are the yeah, those are good. Those are the ones major for okay. me as well. All right, number four brings us to QuakeCon, which happened last week, and it held a slew of its own announcements. For starters, Skyrim Anniversary. Arriving on November 11th, Skyrim will be releasing its sixth version. There's the base game, Legendary Edition, Special Edition, Switch version, VR version, Alexa, and now Anniversary. There will be a next-gen update hitting consoles for free, although the new visual upgrades have yet to be described. What we do know is some of the content is on the way. On top of the free update, fans will get Three free pieces of Creation Club content bundled in. Survival mode, fishing, which Jazz, I imagine you're hyped about, and Saints <laughs> and Seducers. For those wanting more, you can pay into an update for the anniversary, anniversary edition, sorry, which provides a whopping 48 pieces of already released Creation Club content on top of 26 never before seen. In 2020, Todd Howard stated in an interview that they were still working on Creation Club content for Skyrim. Now it appears that we know what that is for. Creation Club content stopped releasing in November of 2019 for Skyrim. Curiously, Fallout 4 also did the same. Let's line (laughs) things up a little bit more. We also got Quake remastered at QuakeCon, funny enough. The Dark Fantasy FPS was released in 1996 at first, and now in 2021, it is back with some new bells and whistles. Developed by Night Dive Studios in tandem with Bethesda, this remaster introduces 4K resolution, 120 FPS, widescreen support, improved models, dynamic lighting, achievements, and two expansions, uh, Scourge of Armageddon, Dissolution of Eternity, as well as the machine games developed Dimension of the Past DLC. It is available now on Xbox Game Pass, or you can play it on PlayStation as well if you want to play it on that platform. Last but not least, Fallout Worlds got some details. Heading to Fallout 76 on September 8th, this update gives players the option to create their own servers that they can tweak as extensively as they please. Building literally anywhere you want, having infinite ammo, doubling your own survival mechanics, augmenting augmenting PvP rules, configuring creature spawns, higher jump heights, ragdoll physics, and the list goes on. You can customize it all. Groove Baby writes in, Greetings, my fair duchesses. With the announcement that the Lord Todd the Greater has deigned that Skyrim will be upgraded and resold on Series X and S as well as PlayStation 5, what substantive next-gen retouches are you hoping to see? There are obviously options like 4K ray tracing, etc., although I personally hope that Bethesda increases the data cap on installed console mods from the measly 5 gigs currently allowed. It would allow for much more options to be implemented in one game without having to think about erasing mods and messing up one save file. That's all I've got. Have a com si com ka kind of day. All right. We got a lot here. Let's start off with Skyrim anniversary. Gents, it's back. Hopefully this, uh, Jez put it really well, this indie gem can find its place in the market. (laughs) What do you guys, are you guys back on board? Are you getting it again? Or are we just, you know, we got other things to do now. (laughs) Man, I'll go gang. You know, I, I actually, I actually tried to play Skyrim again relatively recently, about a year ago. Because I saw they added the survival mode stuff, like you have to eat and all that sort of oh, stuff. And I was like, yeah, yeah, I'm going to try that. And I just realized, like when Skyrim came out and Fallout 4 as well, I put like hundreds of hours into these games. But man, I really don't feel like Skyrim has aged that well. I really don't. <laughs> so like, I, I'm trying to play and I'm just thinking, man, I could be playing literally anything else right now. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> you know, I do love Elder Scrolls and I do love Lord yes. Todd. As as your Patreon yes. put it, 
so so <laughs> eloquently and appropriately mm-hmm. might i add but yeah. <laughs> i think my time with skyrim is well and truly at an end no amount of retouches remasterings <laughs> creation club stuff <laughs> not even fishing can bring me back to this game i think i'm, I'm well fishing. and truly <laughs> done with skyrim but you know we'll, we'll see about um, that we all know <laughs> all three of us know it's gonna sell it's gonna sell it's gonna sell like hockey. Yeah. oh it's gonna sell it's gonna swell yeah, like I'll, I'll sweet rolls <laughs> sweet rolls oh yeah oh yeah uh, i'll make it quick maddie uh, sadly i have to agree with jazz everyone's time is done. I, I, I saw your video brother your video was fantastic i was laughing so hard <laughs> at everything you said you're like i can't believe they're doing it again and damn it i'm gonna buy it again i saw you i saw you and look trip, man yeah. I, I would i would i just i can't like but it's to the point now it's like He's morally messing. <laughs> like it's just like he. This man is really you know like you know how someone just habitually crosses the line. He's consistently <laughs> he's a habitual line stepper. How the man told you in the most gangster way? If you don't want me to stop making it, stop buying it. That is gangster. I'm like wow. Yeah. <laughs> I've never seen anything like this. This is it was crazy. He's right. Yep. I know he's right, right? But I, I gotta take a stand. <laughs> I gotta take a stand. No, Todd. I know. I gotta be strong. This my my little rejection ain't gonna hurt them. This thing gonna sell like gangbusters. This this no doubt. Creation engine. Maddie's <laughs> in. I sort of, Maddie is so in. I was like, you know what? I feel you. The way he has your, his hooks in you is the way I am with mm-hmm. Destiny, and I know that level of addiction and that drug, and I get yeah. it. But for me, it's just like I want a new engine. I 100%. want the next iteration. That's all. But look, salute to y'all. You get your creation engine. You get everything you want. Knock yourself out, brother. I'm not going <laughs> to stop your joy. Do your thing. But it is all you. Were you doing backflips? Were I, you, uh, was no, it, I was. Every, everything is out of time. The reason I was tweeting about it so much when I got announced, I was fucking shocked because I was originally going to put out a tweet as a prediction, but I've stopped doing that because when I did with star wars for game pass i was like oh maybe on star wars day they'll do game pass edition i woke up with like two thousand likes people quoting me with like the eye emoji to the side like yo yo i'm just like oh dude no it's a prediction guys and i was like all right i I am privy to information at times where i try to be a little careful with when i'm making a prediction and it's easier in a video to state like this is a prediction and speculation only Mm -hmm. but i was thinking for a while like they should do a next gen update for skyrim's anniversary Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. They kind of went above that a little bit more than I thought. Yeah. The the tweak here that kind of worked for me is no one I know that's in the Bethesda community mm-hmm. is playing Bethesda games is really paying for the Creation Club content. Not because it's bad, though. It's the thing is I've messed around mm. a little bit. It's never been bad. Like they've had new quests, dungeons, weapons, armor, all that stuff. Okay. It's been that it's overpriced. It's been horrendously gotcha. bad. I feel bad for the modders who worked with Bethesda because they do good work. They have individually, which brought them to this point. Mm-hmm. But the the price tags were disgusting, man. Like in Fallout 4, you'd pay like eight bucks for a gun. They'd literally mark it on your map. You'd go pick it up and that'd be it. And there wasn't even a quest line. That's like horse armor Yeah, they they really just like took your money and people were getting mad. And and Bethesda went into this argument with the community on, well, it's not paid mods. I'm like, yeah, it is. Like, yeah, it is to some extent. Because they're like, no, we got the mod section here. They were trying to play a PR game. It was bad. Really bad. So it's been enough years for people to forget about it. They stopped making stuff for it. And I think it's because they realized no one was paying for it. 
let's bundle it and resell Skyrim again. And I think they're going to do the same for Fallout right. 4. I feel pretty confident they're going to look at Fallout 4 and go, okay, let's add that Creation Club content yeah. in. So for me, what gets me over the hump Good, is cool. just knowing that there is also, on top of what we've already seen, right, 48 pieces of content there, it's 26 new ones. And obviously not all of them are going to be dungeons, quests, so on and so forth. But I'm, I'm encouraged by the idea that there is new stuff coming to Skyrim, right? It's not like Special Edition where... I think a lot of people were left wanting for that when it came out in 2016. I personally fell into that camp of, oh, it's just new visuals. Okay. Um, Whereas with this one, having 70 pieces of content that I've never seen before, as someone who's played a lot of Skyrim, like Mm -hmm. knowing there's going to be a couple bumps in the road, which, you know, now the way they progress with Creation Club is they learned and they started to make these quests where it can add up to like 20 hours to the game, which I know it's already a big enough game. But for someone like me who's Mm -hmm. looking for new shit to do, you know, right. content point aside, right? Like, of course, I'm going to talk about this game a lot. It's great for the channel. But beyond that, yeah. it's like, as a fan, it's like, oh, new stuff in Skyrim? Yeah, please, yeah. for that. But I agree with Jez on one front. I think the exploration in Skyrim still has yet to be touched. Like, I think it's so well done. But the combat, man, oh, my God. It is not good. It's such a shut-off-your-brain combat system now. It was understandable in 2011, but a decade later... They, I think they're adding spells to the game, like necromancy spells, or it's like, all right, this could be cool, but like, beyond, like, you know, that's not gonna, that's yeah. not gonna save it. Yeah, Chess, you had something like you was gonna add, like, like you was gonna say. Even like, I play, I tried playing Elder Scrolls Online, and I just felt the same way. It's like this combat, this this whole combat format is just bad, you know. And the the next the next iteration really needs to look at the combat, like. Games yeah, like like Dark Souls and stuff have really evolved what sort of action RPG combat should look like, I think. Mm-hmm. And yeah, yeah, maybe that doesn't work so well in a first-person game, but it needs to evolve in some way. Like Fallout 3 evolved Fallout 4, evolved the, sorry, Fallout 4 evolved Fallout 3's combat, you know, made it much more FPS-oriented, and it felt a lot better to play. Mm-hmm. If you go back and play it now, it feels like it's behind like a modern shooter. So right. that that's where I'm at with Skyrim personally. But like, just to touch on what you said about the modding thing, you're going to see a lot more of this in the industry moving Ooh. forward because Ooh. it's actually a whole business model, which they call the um, the creator economy. Now, okay. the biggest games in the world, like your Minecraft and stuff, one really great way to make sure your game keeps evolving without you having to spend any money is let other people build the content for your game and pay them for it. So there are companies that make millions of dollars of turnover purely focused on making games for Minecraft. There are like those recent, those recent Minecraft DLCs, like the Sonic thing or whatever. Microsoft didn't make those. Some of the some of the some of the Minecraft company made those with Sega's blessing. Microsoft maybe maybe Microsoft right. brokered the license for Sonic or whatever. Mm. But they, they, another company made those. Another company will get royalties from those, and Microsoft will take a cut, whatever. Kind of like the Apple iOS store does, or Google Play, or whatever. When when you download an app or you buy like buy buy an in-app purchase, they get a cut. So like all games are looking at this now. Like since Roblox's IPO. And Roblox is this huge business that core gamers don't care about. But the whole game is a creator economy game. Roblox, they just sit back 
let other companies make the games within Roblox and they just let the money right. flow. The money flows. So I think what Bethesda was doing, they were like looking at this emerging business strategy. Maybe they didn't get it right. I mean, you could argue that if you're paying $8 for a gun, they very probably definitely didn't get it right. I guess this is a way to salvage that. But I think at the same time, they were sort of moving in that direction a little bit because I feel like Bethesda struggled to find its place in an industry that was rapidly evolving towards towards being purchased by Microsoft. I feel like Bethesda lost its way a bit. They released that yeah. terrible Agreed. Wolfenstein game that had no business yeah. being an online game whatsoever. They Preach. they did Fallout 76, which nobody wanted. Yeah. And it was terrible at launch. It's actually ended up being pretty decent. But they were trying to they were trying to figure out like how do we become competitive in a market which is full of blizzards and Minecrafts and World of Warcrafts and you know all this stuff. And they they were trying different ways to achieve this without impacting their core, you know. And mm-hmm. which is yeah. why you've got Wolfenstein Youngblood as a spin-off, which is why the Creation Club can be build as an option, you know, not not a necessity. And I do hope that now that they're part of Microsoft, they can focus on just doing what they do best rather than trying to experiment with these business models and just focus on making games that drive Game Pass engagement. Mm -hmm. But I think that's where some of that stuff comes on. It just goes off on a tangent. But I do think you're going to see a lot more of this. And I do think that Mm -hmm. one of the reasons Forge has been delayed is because they want to turn mm. it into a creator economy engine platform where mm, they can sell yeah. maps, where they can sell mini games that businesses have made for the game or modders have made for them. I have no information about that. I could be completely wrong. It could be like they just want it all to be free and they just want it, they just want to use it to drive engagement. I mean that's that's totally something they might be doing. But mm. if I was a betting man, and I'm not. But if I was, <laughs> I would say there's a good chance they'll they're look they're looking at what Minecraft's done with their marketplace and thinking we can we can potentially do this for Steam. They exper- um for Halo. They experimented. They even experimented with Gears Five with that whole map editor thing, mm. the whole tile system for the escape mode. That mode had no business existing. It was just them trying mm. to figure out a way to monetize Gears in a way that they want their AAA franchises to be monetized, which is like ongoing right. content that they don't have to make. And it was half-baked. Right. Like, it only works if it makes sense. And, you know, I'm hoping that for Forge and stuff, it makes sense. But, yeah, but yeah, I went off on a tangent there. But but you got, I think more games are going to try this in the future. Yeah, I think you're correct on mm-hmm. that. Kai, what do you feel about everything to do with uh, the future of, of these this modded content and and pairing developers and 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 these companies that like that's something that was new to me like i didn't think of that that there are companies within like roblox or minecraft that are oh yeah they're building modded content that it's a business model for them essentially i think jazz is completely on fire with that i mean i'm just looking at it right now while he was talking i mean i'm the person that monitors the xbox most played games list a lot and I always used to say, what the hell is Roblox? Yeah. <laughs> I was like, what the hell is this thing is always in the top three, top five <laughs> all the time. And I'm like, and again, you know, the explanation of the model. And to me, video games, especially, you know, big AAA, to me always comes across as a copycat league, you know, from a monetization model, what's popping. And I love the examples that Jez said in reference to 
Bethesda, quote unquote, losing their way prior to acquisition because they're the whole member. They had the whole save player one single player campaign. That was their mantra. But when you look at it financially in an industry with a Fortnite and Roblox and Minecraft, you got all these things and their model just didn't sit well in this current age of gaming. So as a result, they were forced to jump outside their box. I completely agree with that. I think that, you know, that that's where I love about the Microsoft acquisition because I'm hoping now they can stay true yeah. to what the core essence of what yeah. they are. Right. Go ahead, Maddie. No, I, mean, no, I was just going to say, I, I completely agree. Cause I feel like they didn't have the IP that was flexible enough to allow them to do something like that, to make that leap. And so, yeah, just tailing mm-hmm. off what you said, exactly that. Yeah. That, and that's pretty much it. I do think that it is something that we have to monitor as companies. Look, this is a, a monetization business. And if you can get, creators to make content and have continual revenue that's what the boardroom wants yeah boardroom loves, yeah, yeah and i mean hey we can maybe see that start to happen with we'll, we'll hop around a little bit fallout worlds right it's heading to 76 yeah. september 8th customizable servers i think this is where you can start to see people buying into 76 for not what bethesda is doing kind of like some people would buy right. into new vegas or three because they want to just play what modders are making i think now mm-hmm. having these isolated servers that you can play on your own with your own rule set yep um, the characters are not shared. So let's say you were playing, you had your adventure mode character, they call it. That is mm-hmm. different from the one that's in this. So I think players are not going to only tweak the settings here, but I think this is finally we're going to start to see modding get unlocked for 76, which Bethesda is super late on, by the way. Yeah. And I think this is where 76 will take another step forward because between that mm-hmm. and into the pit, which is right. a sign of what's to come where Bethesda's finally starting to take you beyond Appalachia, which right. is going to be a double-edged sword for your boy, right? When they take, I already yeah, know they're going to, when they take you back to Capital Wasteland, I'm going to be like, I'm hurting. What the hell are you guys doing? <laughs> Fallout 3? Why just make it? But Make Fallout. it, I know. He needs his Fallout. Jazz, the minute you get a rumor, rumor that they have to get a Fallout, <laughs> I don't know what's no, it's, happened. It's... Like, just this last month, I've just started to starve, and I've actually been playing 76 lately. I've played like yeah, I've been playing you. a lot of it too, and I'm kind of enjoying it. I I liked it. I played it like solo, and like I played it before they added NPCs, and the quests are actually really good. If you actually like read the text, and the they put a lot of effort into some of those quests, and there were times when I was playing it, and I just felt like I was playing, you know, a Fallout Four spinoff, like Fallout Four New Vegas or something or Appalachia edition or whatever you want to call it. But, you know, it's it's interesting because I feel like a lot of the big publishers, what they do is they're sort of, they're stuck in this weird limbo where, and I'm seeing this more and more, like when a game trailer makes me feel old, like that Saints Row thing, <laughs> it real, I'm starting yes. to realize that video game as an industry is still immature compared to the movie industry, right? You get your movies that appeal to your old people like me and you get your movies that are under kids, blah, blah, blah. Back in the day, it was just like the games have to appeal to kids because that's basically the entire market. But now like we see more nostalgia because everyone's getting old and they're sort of in this place where it's like, we can't, we've got one dev team who can make one game. Do we appeal to the new generation of Fortnite kids who have grown up with Ooh. microtransactions? They expect everything to be free and they expect ongoing service or whatever. How do we appeal to those new generation of gamers who want their Fortnite graphics and whatever mm. and appeal to the grumpy 
influencers who who are pushing 40 <laughs> or if you're rand pushing 60 and you- <laughs> damn <laughs> sorry sorry rand got a shot i love it i love uh, it now yeah. we, we we're full so, circle with xbox too but, now. <laughs> yeah, but you know um it's uh you know it's it's like what do you do like what do you, so yeah. i feel like what what one thing they can do is they can have like a cash cow which is your fifa ultimate team uh, mm-hmm. your minecraft your fallout shelter mm-hmm. your elder scrolls mm-hmm. online maybe and then like make games for me the the jaded cynical bear i don't want microtransactions yeah. I don't even want mods in my games, man. Just give me a pure what? experience. Yeah, okay, that's fine. I respect like, that. Like, I used to be like that. Yeah, I, I, I got this thing where I just like I feel like mods are cheating somehow. <laughs> it's once you uh, get over that hump and you just get into Nexus and you start throwing shit in your game and you realize like, huh, I feel really. Yeah, but it's like I'm just like, man, like I downloaded a blood pack for Skyrim that made the blood bloodier. And I felt like I'm cheating. I, the blood shouldn't be this bloody. I've oh. I've passed like the threshold of what's legal. <laughs> Ultimately, what you're doing is just giving it a new coat of paint, right? Like I remember when yeah. I was playing Fallout 4, I was testing console mods, and there was one that overhauled the whole wasteland to make it just full of greenery. So you just it, everything was moss covered. It was almost like a Call of Duty 4 in a way. Like it just reminded me of Modern Warfare. Um, where some levels were just covered in moss and grass everywhere. It, it was it's just cheating. so lively. But it's cheating. Hey, I felt like it came <laughs> back to life a little bit. I was like, yo, this has a different feel. You you get the SWAT weapon pack. Now you're carrying like something with a, a laser scope on. I'm like, whoa, this has got a whole new look and feel to it. And I think that's what modding is always about is once you've like me squeezed the life out of the game, you rely on the community to do something. Yeah. My brother loves mods too. You know, it's like, and especially like younger the younger generations like yourself i guess you know there's they say there seem to be into mods you know yeah, like my um, maybe i'm no i'm no me four years away i'm four years away from my life changing so i'm embracing yeah. it while everyone calls me young it's all downhill from 30 mate get yeah. ready but That's anyway right. <laughs> um but, uh, but my, my friend's son who's 13 recently bricked his computer by download his whole computer by downloading um, a mod from some obscure website that had like viruses in it. So like all mm-hmm. his all his accounts got hacked and all this sort of stuff. Wow. So like, really you know, it's, um, but that that, mm. that seems to that's it just seems to be a thing that like but that having having control over your game is like a PC a PC gaming thing too. Like and I was always a console kid growing up. And then I went from console yeah. gaming to like MMOs on PC, which is just they're all locked down anyway you know you can't you can't Mm -hmm. mod those unless you want to get get your ass banned so but yeah off on a tangent there no you can well last but not least in our news roundup and then we'll get to game pass pick of the week this will be a little bit quicker i imagine developer neon giant has released a much needed large-scale patch for the ascent this update was to bring the xbox and windows 10 version more in line with what the steam version of the game was doing and included dlss support co-op fixes stability improvements and mission patches unfortunately and i found this out when i was researching what the patch actually did it has negatively impacted the game despite it being exactly what the doctor ordered widespread among the community players are reporting horrendous frame rate and stuttering drops along with the Yikes. lost cyber deck function so Things actually went from bad to worse, Cog, believe it or not. 
like we just did a, a spoiler cast review we discussion and, and we were saying this. like yeah there's a patch it looks to adjust things that we're looking for and it got worse and it, uh, jez you were shaking your head a little is. bit man like have you experienced this? I, I haven't really, tested the game i reviewed the game Get him, jez. i really Get him, jez. wanted to love this game like i'm i'm yep. a, i'm an action rpg guy i'm a cyberpunk guy i'm a sci-fi guy and and all this stuff like Ooh. i love i love dystopia this is my perfect depressed setting and i think you were, you were in, you were encouraged <laughs> by the preview yes, right yes. didn't you preview it yeah. and, and you were pretty impressed by it yeah the preview build was great like i played the preview build on pc and it was it was solid the first hour of the game or so and like i could see like there's going to be a lot more here there's going to be a lot more to this but I was just so disappointed with the gameplay loop and uh, at the end, like so much of the stuff you unlock towards the end ends up being useless. Like it almost feels like, you know, you unlock the, for example, you unlock the ability to hack ATMs like right at the end of the game when you don't need any money anymore. It's like yeah. the the whole, mm, the whole RPG point. layer is like half baked and considering yeah. the, the RPG layers half the game, it's a bit of a problem, but mm. I didn't have a huge amount of performance issues on the Xbox Series S, which is how I reviewed it. I got a Series X now, thank God. Okay. Wow. Level up. But no, the Series S is like very, really capable if, if the games are made for it, but just not Good. enough games are made for it yet. But but it ran it ran great on the Series S, like you know, because uh, it was made for it. But it was all those other things like the co-op issues. I tried playing it with random culties toward mm-hmm. one night, and it just it just it was just a mess you know we were appearing in his cutscenes, running around jumping around ruining the atmosphere and <laughs> it just felt like yeah it, it just like yeah. only only the host can experience the cutscene, which is uh, weird you know do you have that cog you know what's funny i asked kai and valakon when i played yeah you he made me right because there were times where they they did i guess it's according to the progression of where the others are maybe yeah I, because I yeah, I don't think they experienced all the cutscenes either. Yeah, yeah with, with, with what I was playing, but um, it's just weird. And yeah, to, and, yeah and, get, and like get to your point, get it, James. It, it is such a story-heavy game, and they put a lot of thought into the story and the lore and and the monsters. Yeah. Like, there's there's a lot of love gone into that aspect of the game, but then you're playing mm-hmm. co-op and it just falls apart. It feels, it honestly feels like they tried to do too much for the first game. Like yeah. they probably should have focused on making it like a single player experience. They probably should have maybe even focused on it being a twin stick shooter rather than a full blown RPG. Like, like, mm-hmm. like Hell Divers, if you remember that game. I don't think that game was like a full blown RPG sort of thing. And there'll be people who disagree with me. A lot of people were mad that my review wasn't more positive. You know? Oh, dude, but, you're yeah. preaching to the choir right now. I felt yeah. the wrath of Xbox it, fans. They came yeah. for you, well, boy. How dare you come what for What I have Xbox. learned since I've been submitted into the ecosystem has been if I am not positive on any of the exclusives, I am attacking it. So my opinion on Halo, I was dramatic, right? With four up, uh, I said four up, Forge and co-op. When I did not like the Ascent, I was too hard on it. I'm just like, but when I reviewed Psychonauts and I fucking love that game, I like the dislike <laughs> ratio. Dude, there wasn't even a dislike bar. <laughs> oh, I'm just, I'm taking notes. I'm learning, but. Taking notes, you're taking notes. You're learning. Don't come yeah. for the, the Xbox I just got, what, what happens is preparation, right? I don't care if anyone blasts me, but now knowing when I'm yeah. stepping on a landmine, act, that helps a lot yes, more. you know what yeah, you right? to do. Like Dude, knowing, yeah. all right, here we go. Like Halo sucks, right? Like I come out and say that, knowing <laughs> that, you know, I'm going to get blowback and there's going to be people who just run at me from all angles. 
I I tweeted recently that if Halo's campaign isn't up to snuff, they should delay the whole thing. People mm. were psycho at me. And I was just I was just like, I'm saying if it is bad, if it is bad. If. If. And I, yeah. I even tweeted underneath. For people who can't read, I said if it's bad. You know, like <laughs> you even gave a disclaimer. I love it. Because <laughs> yeah. and it, you were saying you were saying earlier, like some people were just like really incensed about the idea of delaying or delaying halo until it's actually ready you know like mm-hmm. what do they want people to do otherwise have build a time machine and yeah. you know hire, hire yeah. more devs or something like it's yeah. i don't know but yeah it's the line you criticize it yeah it's the line yeah it's the line i'll, I'll jump in real quick um I actually did have I, I did have the same experience you had with with co-op. I did have a lot of fun with it though. I did it was a romp. It, I agree with you. The the like we talked on defining the ultimate. You know the RPG layer is definitely half baked. I just took it as a romp with friends. You know when you you, you get the you, the beast start coming, the music, the hard music starts hitting. You're having fun, but from a story and narrative perspective, as we discussed, I just nothing really captured me, and I just felt it was a missed opportunity. But to this point, which is the question, I, I do want to say you had made a, a a great article, Jez, in reference to PC Game Pass. And you you came for, for Xbox pretty hard. And I commend you for that in the sense that, you know, that level with UWP and, and not seeing the quality there. And, you know, we're hearing the features with DLSS and Ray Trace is supposed to be there initially and not there. Now we have in this issue where they come in and then, you know, now it's affecting other parts of the game with crashes and stuff like that. And I, I really hope, you know, that on the PC side, if Xbox is to be taken seriously with Game Pass because they clearly want it on mobile, you know, they cloud and, and, and PC is a major core pillar. But if they, if these ports are not up to snuff, that's a major problem. So I wanted to shout you out for that because I saw that article as a tremendous article. And I know you couldn't have gotten the nicest feedback from, from Microsoft when you did what you did, but it was courageous. And I, I like that. And same with you, man. When you guys call it out, we have, listen, we love, certain things and we want them to be better it's okay to be critical it's hard and to be I, critical I think, game pass. yeah it's hard sometimes yeah you know because people take it as such this emotional personal attack and you know jeff jazz using the word if and they're still coming for him you know like god forbid maddie doesn't like you know some aspect of a broken yeah. game it's just we, we got to be community has to do better in that regard but salute i wanted to comment i mean like microsoft like I got DMs about the article from Microsoft, and some some of the people on the, on the Microsoft, well, all the DMs I got from Microsoft staff about that was were positive, and they're like, "Yeah, we know we know yeah. we know some aspects are bad. There's a big there's a big update coming soon, which will fix some of this stuff. Some yeah. of it hinges on Windows 11. Like they've had to oh, revamp okay. a lot of the back end because they're still working off a of Windows 8 back end. You know, the last the last time yeah. they revamped oh, everything. Wow. So um, you know, even Windows Windows 10 is just layered on top of windows 8 you know windows 11 mm. really does you know push it further along the line so you know it's it's that's a microsoft at least take it like in a positive way but um you'll notice something apple youtubers mm. never criticize apple what is that <laughs> i didn't even know apple youtubers were a thing <laughs> oh damn <laughs> Shots. I didn't even Shots. know. I'll be honest. <laughs> it's because it's because it's hard to distinguish them from an ad for Apple. That's why. Uh, yeah. <laughs> she's got the smoke. She's got the smoke for Apple. I love it. Apple does not like criticism. 
they will <laughs> cut you off if you criticize them. And I know that because we have Apple websites in our network. So, you know, mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, but luckily Microsoft does, does take feedback in a positive way. Good. The time. Good. Well, that's it for our long news roundup. Now we move in as always to our game pass pick of the week. Jez, as our guest, you were the one who made the selection. What have you picked for us? Well, um, I was on vacation the last five days. And when I'm on vacation, I make a point of not playing games that are vaguely related to work. Like I don't have to write content about them. Because sometimes it does feel a bit like work. If you're playing a game that is sort of like, you know, you've got to write about. So I didn't play any recent game. I've gone back and play started another save on pillars of eternity and which and funnily one is enough, the first one or the, uh, the first the one yeah okay. the first one pillars of eternity Ooh. complete edition i think it's called and it's funny because this ties into our discussion about pc game pass because i was yes, i was cool. playing pillars of eternity on pc game pass because it just plays so much better with the mouse and Ooh. keyboard however it is broken on pc game pass the uwp version of pillars of eternity is broken and like mm-hmm. when you when you move, because like the way the way the game is, it's like uh, for those who don't know, Pillars of Eternity is like a sort of tactical CRPG classic, static background, and then three D objects layered on top, and you you know dungeon crawl, like Baldur's Gate stuff like that, little classic Fallout, although it's it's not really mm-hmm. turn based, it's all real time, but the 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 uwp game pass version of pillars of eternity when you move from one map to the next the 3d objects like doors and monsters and and objects on the floor crates and mm-hmm. chests they also come to the next map and then you move to another map and then they also come to the next map so you what? end up in this situation where there's just floating doors and floating chests everywhere and if you click on the object that isn't supposed to be there, you can completely break the game. And I got to a point where there was like a door on top of an object I needed to click on to progress the story. And I couldn't, I, I put up with this bug for ages. And I was like, okay, hey, yeah, wow. Fif- this is dedication. Yeah, 55 wow. hours I put up with this bug. What? Reboot, wow. Reloading the game was the only way yes. to fix it. Yeah, I put up with this bug 55 hours. But I got to a point where there was a door overlaid on an object i needed to click on to progress the story <laughs> and i just thought fuck this i'm gonna start again on xbox which doesn't have the bug so i've started mm. the game from scratch on xbox because wow. i'm determined to finish pillars of eternity because it's an amazing game it has absolutely yeah. amazing writing mm. the combat system is just so satisfying you know it's it's Ooh. um it's it's complex and I think the combat Ooh. system puts a lot of people off initially because it's it's not really like anything you will have experienced unless you've played a game similar to Pillars of Eternity. But I just absolutely adore the world they built. And I'm really determined to go through Pillars 1 and 2 before <laughs> Avowed comes out. Yep, you and me both. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's right. But I've heard both, that Pillars 2 on Xbox is broken. <laughs> And apparently the Switch version had a big patch, like a game-breaking one of some kind, that they were like, we're not fixing that. It's <sighs> not the... It's oh. it's there. So I think the best way to play that is PC. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Steam is... Steam... And this is the, this is the benefit of mods too. If a Win32 mm-hmm. game is broken, 
modders often will fix it for the devs who abandon their games. And I actually yeah. worked with Obsidian to try and get this bug fixed in the UWP version, but it never got fixed. Oh, wow. I don't know, like, if they couldn't repro the exact thing or they're just stretched with doing, you know, like, other games and stuff like that. But it is super annoying when there are games on Game Pass which are fucking broken. Mm. Pillars mm-hmm. of Eternity 2 on yeah. Game Pass for Xbox is broken. Apparently, it just crashes all the time. Mm. And Pillars of Eternity Complete Edition on PC Game Pass is broken. And it has the worst, the weirdest mm. bug I've ever seen in the game. But, you know, again, another tangent. Pillars of Eternity is an amazing game. Super underrated. <laughs> I, don't care, I don't care that it's bugged. Like, at least, at least saying, it works on Steam. If you're going like to play it... Yeah, uh, that that's the thing. I love the game enough to put up with that bug for 55 hours and to start it over on Xbox. <laughs> yeah. um, I swear, oh. if I come across a game-breaking bug on Xbox, I'm just going to smash things yeah. and just be like, you know then, what? Then you're that's really screwed. It. I'm now a Steam gamer and I, I quit every other platform because <laughs> at least modders can fix the bugs there. I, love it. I, remember, I remember when I was a kid, man, and this, this is probably before you were born, mate. When, when, when I was a kid playing playing Stalker, when when Stalker first came out, what you that? could not <laughs> you could not play Stalker without downloading a massive community patch, which like fixed millions. That's of like Kotor problems. two. I can I can understand a little bit Kotor two without the. Uh, there's a term for it. It's like a long acronym but it's a patch that Obsidian never released and that modders took and it fixes all the bugs, all the glitches, all the jank. It adds missing content that was cut, like everything. You cannot... That's why I'm like curious how they're going to handle these these uh, ports, kind of like remasters yeah. in a sense, because when Aspire handled those and they brought them to PC, they opened up the Steam Workshop so that you could easily access this patch that made the game way better. I'm wondering if they're going to make that patch official content when it comes to consoles eventually. But that is something the PC Game Pass desperately needs because the the way the yes. UWP uh, layer works is it like it constantly verifies the network integrity or the the file integrity. Sorry, and it, it's like it mm-hmm. sees foreign code in there, like injectors and mods, and it's just like, oh, that shouldn't be there. That file is broken. I'll delete mm-hmm. that file, and they just <laughs> rip the mod out. <laughs> Which can break your game. And, wow. you know, even though they have this whole, wow. like, you can click a button to decrypt the UWP files to open it up to modding, it just doesn't work properly. And a lot of games don't support it properly. And, man, it's just, a, it's just if they want to be taken seriously on PC, they really need to look at all this stuff. Look at the culture of PC gaming. The add, add, a, yes. add a mod store to PC Game Pass. You know, get rid of UWP containers. Go all in on Win32 because Win3, UWP is just dead. It's dead, man. It's dead. Yeah. It's dead. Yeah. Yeah. But Pillars of Eternity, lovely game. Great game. <laughs> I'll be following you okay. up shortly with that one. All right. To conclude our show, as always, even in the longest of them, we have a five-question yes. roundup, starting off with AJ Murray, who writes in, Hey, Dukesters, by the time this episode airs, I will have had a job interview for a place that sells secondhand video games and other media. Where I live, this is still a pretty big money bringer, despite the all-digital future of PlayStation and Xbox consistently putting forward, which is what prompted me to write in this week. I guess what I want to ask is not exactly a question, but more so a gut check on how you feel the physical game space might be doing with the new uh, with the new gen slowly ramping up and the prospect of digital-only consoles becoming a reality. Hope you two have a solid 5 out of 10 week. 
It's talking to you, Jazz. <laughs> AJ Murray is asking us about the future of physical media in gaming. Um, it's dead. I don't. Uh, yeah. I feel, <laughs> Next I feel, question. No, I'm joking. <laughs> Go on. Sorry. I don't want it to die. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I love. Honestly, as someone who's pro environment, right? Like you'd think I wouldn't be like all about it, but it's like my Achilles heel in the scheme of things. Like I need to buy the game physically because there's a connection there that I'll always argue, right? Mm -hmm. There's an um, emotional moment when you buy that game and you got it and it's there, man. Like there's something about that. Um, I find it interesting that there's places that are producing secondhand stuff. You know, I'm I'm guessing this is like I mentioned Mad Cats at one point and and how that could be. Uh, a potential secondhand producer of, of, of video game content. And I feel like they've fallen out more over time. The only relevant one I've experienced is power. A they've seemed to have done Ooh. good third party work across multiple consoles, uh, specifically their Xbox controllers. If anyone's looking for a cheap one, 30 bucks uh, power, a does really good work. I've, I've used one for a couple of years and it still works. It's a rose pink, but we'll work with what we got. Once again, <laughs> eyes on the screen. We're not looking down. <laughs> Jasmine Frizo, yeah. baby, it's all good. It's all good. What do you guys think though I, I about the, the uh, future of physical games? Sorry, go on. I was just gonna say I have the Power A Spectra with the the little RGBs in them, and it's like, mm. why why have I got RGBs in my controller when I'm actually looking at the screen? But it looks yeah. great in photographs. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, but uh, cool. I I'm I have I have currently zero physical Xbox games. I am I have been 100 percent digital since Xbox One launch. And uh, so, that is so dropped. Yeah, but I flipped because I did previously have like about three hundred Xbox three hundred and sixty games. I still have all my PS one games and PS two games, although uh, my brother has them. Uh, they're in his his room back at home, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, so I did I did have a thing about collecting games because I like you. Mm-hmm. There is like this sort of emotional. It's just nice to have, and it's it's like it's a celebration of the your hobby. You know, I collect vinyls, yeah, because I like music, mm. nice. and um, nice. I got I still got a load of CDs. But then I, but I don't know why, but when it when it came to Xbox, I just oh, oh, yeah. Daddy with the people. That is, that is a flex. I got a vinyl. That's, that's, that's a, a flex, flex right, right there. How much was that? Like that. Tsushima. This was seventy bucks. That looks way more expensive than yeah, no, they uh video game vinyls that's are nice. surprisingly cheap. Like this is this is like four discs. Wow. That's nice. Well that that's the thing. Yeah. Like it's just we <laughs> I'm not I don't want to get all deep and philosophical about it. But mm-hmm. it's just to. nice <laughs> to have things <laughs> that sort of give right. sort of represent your personality in your life and stuff like that. Because mm-hmm. I have no life. I no longer need these things. <laughs> <laughs> so I just, I just, I'm just all digital now. Um, but like, I do, I, I don't want them to die because you know. So Not because true. why, why shouldn't they exist? You know. But it's just kind of, it's just kind of lame how publishers publishers want them to die because they hate the used games market. Mm-hmm. So, and they, you know, they've stopped printing. They've stopped putting any effort into their discs. There's no, there's no booklets that come with them anymore. Remember, <laughs> I, mean, I remember. <laughs> yeah, man, when booklets. Yeah, yeah. The, I, I used to love it, man. When you open like a, a box and it had like, oh, there's a map in here. It's nice. Yeah. And there's like a li- little, little book oh, yeah. with with notes at the back. 
put all my GTA cheats in there, you know, yeah. stuff like that. Spawn a tank, you, you know, this yeah. is this. There you go. Stuff like that, you know, it's th- that whole experience is like gone away. I guess. Oh, completely. Yeah. It's lamentable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. But, it's it's done. I'm, I'm sorry, Jesse. I didn't know if you were finished. Nah, I'm just I'm just saying, like on. it it just it just feels like it's it's just that's the way it's going, you know. But I do hope yeah. that. You know, through companies like Limited Run Games, who Xbox doesn't seem yes, to work with like for some reason. And, um, yeah, what the fuck? I don't get that at all. I, I don't get that either. I need to dig into that and find out what's going on there. Cause yeah, please that, do. Because like, something like Psychonauts please. 2, which isn't getting a physical release, is, is perfect for that, right? Yeah, exactly. I'm like that, I think that, that is the future of physical, is like your collector's edition, your limited editions. Mm. Like A lot of vinyls I buy, so. I buy them because they're limited edition. I just bought that like... Eve, Evangelion limited edition 4K Blu-ray mm. box set that was like $200 because it's <laughs> limited edition and it's shiny. You know, it's mm-hmm. it's like, I, I might not buy like a $30 game or whatever, but I might buy a cool collector's edition version of the game mm-hmm. or something that can look mm-hmm. nice in my cabinet, oh, yeah. even though if, even if I never use the disc, <laughs> you know, because I noticed that's what I was doing. And this is why I stopped buying the discs is because I bought, I started buying the discs. I had Battlefield, I think I had Battlefield mm-hmm. 4 on disc when, when, Xbox was it Battlefield Three back then? Was it Battlefield Three? The Xbox One launch or Four? I can't even remember. Four, yeah. four, four. Yeah, I had one launch. Yeah, I, I had Black Flag, Assassin's Creed Black Flag, and Battlefield Four on disc. And I was just like, you know what? I'm going to buy these on digital as well, so I don't have to get out of bed to change the disc. Get out of bed and switch to joint. That's literally me. And then I just thought, Lord have mercy. Why am I, I buying it twice? Like no, no. <laughs> No, I can get up out of my seat, man. I'm in I'm in great shape. I can walk across that yes, room. There you go, I got the agility. I'm gonna do that. Get your yeah, cardio in. I respect well, it. You're it. pushing thirty, forward. mate. So there'll be less of that, you know, agility very shortly. I, I, I can't even fathom <laughs> that. You know, like I can't, I can't fathom the it. idea. Like, does your back tweak a little bit? You're like, I don't want to go through that. You know, like, is is that what happens? Because I'm starting to go to the gym again, right? I've been going for about three weeks. Not it's true. like, Listen. you know. Am I going to be all right? Am I am I preventing that pain? <laughs> I respect that. I it respect pro- that youthful energy. It so. probably doesn't help <laughs> that I've never worked out in my life. So maybe you'll be okay. Yeah. <laughs> maybe you'll be all right. Uh, well, I was going to say real quick because um was uh yeah for me it's I've been same thing as jazz. I went pretty much all digital, but for Maddie, you know, so make him smile a little bit when it's something I care about. I have to get the collector's mm. edition. I have to celebrate it because it's so important to me. So any game, big game, I've done it where I've kind of sometimes purchased them twice just because I'm I'm with, I'm right I'm I'm literally and that I analyze myself. I'm literally between mm. both of you. I'm like Jez where I'm not getting up to be swapping discs. That's over. All that swapping discs, click of a button. All right, there you go. Laser Swapping cars. discs is a young right? man's game. Right. <laughs> but I'm like, Maddie, when it's what I care about, like Ghost of Tsushima came out, I got the collectors, I got the map. You know, Halo, I got, I'm literally in a museum okay. of things. Hey, right? got got that thing about, you. You know what I'm <laughs> yeah, you know what I'm saying? Like, I got all these things. And, and for me, it's a reminder, it's a celebration as to why yeah. I love it. And those I feel deserve. I need to, I felt like it's like this moral thing. I need to reward the publisher, the dev, you know what I'm saying? That I love it so much yeah, I mean, and, and showcase it. So I'm, I'm, nah, I'm, I'm like you. I bought the Cyberpunk Collector's mm-hmm. Edition. 
Like the it came in this massive box with the amazing mm-hmm. statue of V. Like mm-hmm. I have to, I have to buy that stuff too, man. But like, um, yeah. you know, I'm not, you know, I'm not a millionaire YouTuber like Matty. So I have to, I have to, I have <laughs> I to be careful. Be <laughs> yeah, we all like, we millionaires. I do have space constraints. Constraints. I mean, look, look at all these headsets. That's a, like oh. all these headsets I got to review. There's That's a reason like, I record here. I got no space. <laughs> <laughs> all right we got kevin wider writing in hey dukes i've been working my way through greedfall on game pass it's a great example of a game that's 80 percent there but really could have used a bit more budget to realize the vision what are some games that you guys have experienced with this same shortcoming ps cog you're a straight effing badass i've never been so immediately oh, drawn to a new co-host on a podcast oh thank you thank you much appreciated i'll answer mine a set yeah. <laughs> a set needed a budget a set needed all yeah. that i'm there with you watch the final duke ultimate you will learn why and listen yeah. to jazz's all his amazing review I'll be reading his amazing review. I, I'm going to piggyback that. No answer for me other than the ascent. I've never played a more eighty percent game there. I, I would say halfway there, yes. really, but like it was yeah. it was edging on that. Yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. Man, yeah. the the two games that came to mind when when that question came up, the, for some reason, like one thing I like to do is I really like to listen to my brain mm-hmm. and acknowledge the first mm-hmm. thought that comes into my head because that's like the truthful thought, mm-hmm. right? The first, yeah. absolutely first thought that came to my head, which probably may not even make sense because it's maybe it's, it's a bit less than 80% there, maybe more like 60% there. But the first game I thought about was Alpha Protocol. Do you, do you remember that? Game? Wow, remember yeah. that, yes. I was like, man, I love that concept. Obsidian, like spy yeah. RPG yes. needed a, a little Ooh. bit of love to get over yeah. the, you know, to actually be a solid game. But I also thought about Mass Effect Andromeda because, oh, yeah. man, I huge. I I played the death out of Mass Effect Andromeda because I was reviewing it, and um, I really wanted to do a good job and make sure because we didn't have that much time to review it. But I was really determined, so like I didn't sleep and played Mass Effect Andromeda co- to completion for this review. Oh, no. And like Ooh. by the end, I was just kind of like, "Yeah, man, it's it's sort of like I, I hate that the decisions are stripped out and the the open world sections are really empty and boring and and stuff like that." And I just feel like if if they could, they can get it there because they did it with Dragon Age mm-hmm. Two. Dragon Age Two right. was a rough game when I first played it, but if you go back and play it with all the DLC, it's actually a really great mm-hmm. game. Like the extra characters no. they added really rounded out Someone the pies. Yeah. yeah. The, the DLC was great and mm-hmm. really added a lot of context to the story. Yeah. That's what Mass Effect Andromeda needed. It needed a bit of more love like Dragon Age 2, but they, they EA'd it. They cancelled mm-hmm. it. The, the DLC I I, that could have I, saved I Andromeda tra- never came out. Dra- yeah, exactly. And, mm-hmm. and Dragon Age 2 specifically, I think if they just chose a different name, people would not have hammered it as hard but looking at it as a follow-up to origins which was just phenomenal some of bioware's best work versus like oh this is a spin-off because they were originally going to call it dragon age exodus but then they called it two i think just set them up for failure because then they were looking at it as a direct mm-hmm. follow-up not this experimental game um where i think it would have been better or more well received it's Dude, funny because I it plays such an impactful game. i know yeah. it, it, it's weird because going back now as like a, a pretty big dragon age fan and I played Inquisition. I went all over the place. I played Origins, Inquisition, and then two. Oh wow! And which is just totally out of order. But yet, 
Um, I, I found out just how much two plays a major factor with like the red lyrium in its main storyline, yes. uh, mm-hmm. and especially the future of Dragon Age. Like, it's really important that if people are interested in DA4 when they start to see it, they're probably gonna want to look into two because taking most yeah. from there. All right, let's keep I'm, moving along. I'm, here. I'm excited to hear that you're a Dragon Age fan because oh, of course, I think I've completed Dragon Age Origins more than any other game. I think I've, I've me been through that game wow. repeatedly, played it yeah. in every configuration possible. I absolutely yeah, love so that good. game. Absolutely, yeah. I agree. I'm Impressive. hoping that what we're hearing about Dragon Age Four being a little bit more just condensed, right? Like Inquisition was way too open and big. This seems to trim the fat from what we're hearing reports about. And that it is that type of Bioware replayability that we, you know, seemingly you like with with Origins. I love that. Just like, make Origins too. Origins, yeah, I know, right? It's a perfect game. It's a it's a symphony of excellence. It's mm. it's. I don't think like the vocab games on display. get better. Like if I could give go, one game go, eleven out of ten, it's probably Dragon Age Origin. I absolutely love that game. Oh, it's excellent, man. Top to yeah. bottom. There's not a bad character in that game either, which is really hard to do. That was just Bioware on a other planet because when you look at it, it's hard enough to make like not even a new IP, but like a new game within an IP as well. And like in a five year span or six year span, they did KOTOR, Jade Empire, which was a whole new thing on their own, which they made a language for. Then they did Mass Effect, a yeah. whole new thing. And then they did Dragon Age. I'm like, dude, oh, dude like, I, it's it's so hard to make up your own universe, let alone four and six years. Four and I know eight, it's a lot of more yeah. teams and it's their job, but shit, it's so impressive to me. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Phasal Dragon Age Origins. Sorry, sorry. go on. No, I just, I I just say. all, I'm just all hyped about Dragon Age now. And I just, I was just remembering, like, oh. Dragon Age Origins let yeah. you be such an asshole. Yes, they let you be such an asshole. Yeah. Like, did did you ever do like the the quest to unlock the Reaver, um, class, where like, uh, you... yes, but I don't remember the context of it. So like, you corrupt ago. the blood. Or something, and if you take Leliana with you, she turns on you, and you have to kill her. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, man, that is such a like it's a completely <laughs> dick move you do. Like it's like it's it like ends up mattering, ultimate blasphemy. Yeah. Right. So yeah. let's see here. Basil Hassan writes in, "Hey Duke Lords, long time listener, first time poster." Do you guys think Double Fine could become a conduit for Xbox to gain indie cred? I'm a fan of Amnesia Fortnite documentaries and think it would be really cool to see those smaller titles as Game Pass exclusives. It could be a way for them to continue Double Fine Presents in a new form showcasing indies only playable through Game Pass and would build up a stable of experiences not available outside of the subscription service. I would love to hear your thoughts and please keep the great content coming. Our pleasure. So just a quick note. For those who don't know what Amnesia Fortnite is, uh, in 2017, they had a bundle of prototypes made during a two-week public prototyping session um, where Double Fines was held held this in conjunction with Humble Bundle, and everyone was paid a minimum of dollar to have the opportunity to vote on 25 concepts from employees. So it was a very different uh, approach, and, and Faisal's asking if we could see something like that in Game Pass. Jazz question. I'm not sure. About I don't, yeah, I'm, I'm not. I'm not familiar with this content. either. Actually, that's an interesting. Yeah. You know, I have. I think I wrote an article years ago saying that it'd be cool if Microsoft had sort of like an Xbox Arcade revival that curated right. indies that was sort of like a sort of like a cut above maybe because you know like I have fond memories of the Xbox Live Arcade and you know your Castle oh, yeah. Crashes and. 
and the limbo not limbo was it limbo no not limbo mm. i'm getting mixed up with braid braid and stuff like that you know there was a lot of great games under that ip but i'm not super familiar with that that double flying thing but mm. um i do think like there is something to be said about id xbox not being a great curator of you know i don't want to it's hard because you don't want to say a game's bad but there is right. there is a lot of stuff that comes mm. through the xbox that isn't great and it, it kind of reminds me of um the way steam has gone in recent years where they're just like you know the flood of indie games and it's it's sometimes it can be hard to like you almost rely on the zeitgeist and the trending mm. topics and the trending games to figure out which games are good and there'll be there'll be games that just get lost in the in the ether until like someone makes them blow up like mm. i think among us came out like three years ago three years or something ago, yeah and nobody yeah. noticed it until noticed one day it. it went viral and it's like how many mm. games are there out there that are like that they just aren't being noticed or aren't being marketed properly again this is somewhat of a tangent because i'm not really familiar with that double fine thing but i do think there's more that microsoft can do for indies potentially in that space it's interesting yeah. to think about agreed Absolutely. And I think on the on the premise of like baked in Game Pass only games, I don't think the service is there yet where they need everything they can to, to get people to buy in. And, and the service hasn't, you know, proven, I don't want to say proven itself because it has, but um, I think it needs to grow to justify people saying like, I'll make this only for Game Pass, right? Like, I think if that's ever an idea on the table, I believe it's a long ways away. And it's a little too heavy handed where if you're already mm. in there and you're a paying customer and they're at like that 60 to 80 million mark, maybe then it's a little easier to digest because like now you understand, well, it's big. So they're trying to reward that consumer who's in the system with something pretty exclusive. And that's, an that's another thing about Game Pass. It's like if you put too much stuff into Game Pass, it's sort of like it lessens the, the mm. benefits for the developers because Benefit. one, of the, one of the reasons yeah. why one of the reasons why Nintendo Switch got really popular with indies is because there's there's no competition from triple A's whatsoever. Mm. Like there's there's you know oh well there is a little bit of competition. But like some of the some of those big triple A games, they either re- release on, on the Switch in a very sort of crushed format with you know, they don't play very well or they're running from the cloud, like some games run from the cloud and the cloud streaming yeah, services aren't that all. great and stuff like that. So, like, indies really had a platform, a place to really, really shine on the Switch. Mm-hmm. And I think that's that's where, like, a lot of developers who are making these sort of, like, 2D kind of games, Switch, Switch has become their sort of their beacon, you know? Yeah, yeah. But for, like, Game Pass, where Game Pass does, is flooded with these AAA experiences, there is, like, there is an argument to be made that, like, you know, putting too much into game pass at once could harm some kinds of games yeah. i think like some games that would would go into game pass and be completely overlooked like the, an indie game that hits game pass the same week that halo infinite hits game pass is probably going to be Shredders. overlooked you know? so <laughs> yeah yeah so you know the, there is a hot, the gonk oh, yeah wow. yeah there is a curation argument to be made there yeah, yeah that's a good point all right let's keep moving along here the late Nate writes in, hey, the duo that defines. It's been a bit since Mass Effect Legendary Edition release, so I wanted to ask if any of your opinions on the games have changed after playing them again recently. Second, has your favorite Mass Effect changed after playing through Legendary Edition? For me, Mass Effect 2 was and still is my favorite, 
you can't beat just having that many interesting squad mates to choose from. Cheers. <laughs> I'll take this one. Um, yeah, this is a controversy. Me and Soft go at this all the time. I know, Jazz. I think I know what side of the argument you're on. But look, man, you know, I, I, I love Mass Effect 2, and I, I still stand on it. And um, after playing both again, you know, Mass Effect 1 is amazing. You know, uh, world building, you know, the space opera. I love that aspect right. of it. But I cannot stand the Mako. <laughs> and I just feel that, um, you know, it was just horrible. I, I like the idea of, of the exploration and going to different planets, and that was great. But, you know, being a Spectre was, to me, the the joy. And then learning about this over threat with Sovereign and blah, blah, blah. Mass Effect 2, the reason why it's so important to me is because I truly connected with my squad. I felt all of them were interesting. I felt... Fane as a character was extremely deep character. I really connected with him. Um, the Liara reunion, when you do the DLC, she layer of the shadow broker and why she's changed since you technically have been dead. <laughs> you know, and I was like, why is she so cold to me? You know, we was romancing in the first one, but at the end of the day, I, I, um, I did like the loyalty missions. I did feel that added a lot mm-hmm. to it. And, I'm going to stand on the suicide mission, man. I think that's one of the greatest things in, in gaming. I, I just love the way they pieced it together. And you truly had consequence. You truly, you know, felt that if you lost to the point where I was like, damn, I got to replay this. Time. <laughs> like, like, you got to hold that old save, man. You know, if you didn't do things right or, you know, obviously some of it. Basically, what I like about two is it was so ambitious that no game at that time was carrying your decisions over into the next game, right? Like that to me was like young Cognito was like, yo, what I did carries Mm -hmm. over. So it's always going to hold a special heart. Now this generation that's playing it now, a lot of them are saying three and I get it, the graphics and stuff like that. But I know, I know, I know. But but for, for us that played it when it existed and when we had the gaps and we had to wait, we know how we felt when they gave us the original three ending. It did not, we did not feel valued. We felt disrespected. We felt our choices that led there didn't value, you know, mean anything. And then they had to add that additional content. So to these, this generation, they may still say three is better, but for me, I'm always going to stand on two. I love them all, but yeah. two is my baby. Two is my baby. But that's, that's where I'm at with the Mass Effect debate. I see. I admittedly, uh, because reviews swooped me up um, after I finished the first mm-hmm. Mass Effect, I didn't get to move on to two because I believe Biomutant had come mm-hmm. through at that time. Yes, yeah, and games, um, games, and then bro. it was Baldur's Gate: Dark Alliance caught me off guard. I was like, I gotta play that. Um, so yeah, of course. I didn't get to two yet. I plan to still, but as mm-hmm. someone who's played them a lot, what I will say is my appreciation for one is infinitely higher. And I feel like they did a really good job trying to repair parts of one that did not age well. It's not going to blow you away. It's still not a great gameplay experience, but it's way better than what it once was. And I think they deserve a tip of the cap for that. Not that you weren't given that cog, but I was just saying in general, like I think um, that deserves to be applauded a little bit more. Like the the Mako's not ideal. Um, The gameplay (laughs) encounters, uh, the combat layout has been improved because they've they've fixed the shooting, but it's still not the best. But what I really appreciated with it is while three left you hanging at the end where you're like, oh, these choices really didn't matter as much as I wanted them to. Mass Effect 1 shows that, if anything, the whole series was well thought out. Everything that they built in one matters in three. 
And to me, that's infinitely impressive. It, it changed a lot, a lot mm-hmm. of ways. Not changed, but it adjusted how I look at certain series, which you can feel when, and by the way, this is fine, where some conveniences are there that allow them to stitch plot threads together. Whereas like Mass mm-hmm. Effect was like, this is our beginning, two is our middle, three is our end. Um, and it's the importance mm-hmm. of how trilogies are thought out. Uh, so while I don't have any new favorites because I got to replay them all, I can at least say that mm-hmm. after playing them, I like one a lot more than I once did. You know, one was the game I bought nice. with my 360, played it for a little bit, nice. dropped it, played it again, beat it. Um, I came back to it in 2012, I want to say, on PS3 to get the trophies. And then I was going to come back to it when the rumors started coming from Jeff Grubb that they were remastering it. So I waited, and uh, it was uh, it was well worth the wait, I thought. You know, visually, gameplay-wise, uh, the only thing I think it's weak on is characters. I don't really um connect yeah. deeply with many characters in the game i thought just mm. given the drastic shift with liara they felt like what they did with her wasn't interesting in the first game but mm-hmm. you know of course there's ashley and kaden which just they exist so yeah it's uh it's you know I'll, and tolly doesn't get much expansion until you can visit her flotilla yeah. so a lot of them are kind of these faceless characters that um they didn't know if they were going to build on them, but, but they were ready when they got the opportunity. Like you, you're going to build on this. You're going to make a sequel. They were, they mm-hmm. had the keys to the castle, and they, they, they made well on that. Jess, what about you? No, no. Where do you lie on the Mass Effect debate? I think Mass Effect Two is probably one of the best games ever made. Mm. You know, pound for pound. But I kind of, I'm. Oh, he's back yeah. now. No longer blacklisted. <laughs> yes. Yes. But I'm kind of like you. Like Ooh. I thought. I mean, this is before I was a, a blogger or whatever, or an analyst yes, or whatever yes, my yes. job is. But um, I thought the I thought the criticism of Mass Effect 3's ending was well overblown because, like, I took Ooh. the whole game as the ending. Like every 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 okay. quest you do resolves a plot point. You know, I point. get to shoot Morden in the back in subordination. I get to shoot Ashley in the face in subordination. I get to shoot Legion mm-hmm. in subordination. You know, mm. and I, I, I was just like, I was going through like, yes, I like all these decisions it's letting me do, and and then sort of like mm-hmm. my ending felt appropriate to the evil renegade asshole lifestyle that I'd led. Mm-hmm. So maybe, maybe because I was I played the game in a certain way, my ending mm-hmm. felt justified to me Bro. Um, that it should end this way. Because I I played it with yeah. the mindset of no one's coming out of this war with a happy ending. <laughs> how do you have a how do you have a galactic scale war with with a happy ending? You just can't. So for yeah. me, I was yeah. like I was pretty satisfied with the ending. I know it's sacrilegious to go mm-hmm. against the meme that these got a bad ending, and I haven't even done the the DLC ending yet. I haven't actually done it. Oh. So mm-hmm. I need. Oh, it's gonna be yeah. New it's gonna you. be new to me. So yeah. I'm, I'm gonna. I'm still going mm-hmm. through. I was about halfway through Mass Effect Two. I played Mass Effect mm-hmm. One and completed it on Insanity, which is mm-hmm. which is nice. which is my only achievement that I didn't have from playing it before. Because it's the best way to play it, I think. At least the first yeah. yeah. I feel like they made it a lot easier. Mass Effect One on Insanity, Ooh. because like when when mm-hmm. I played when I played it originally, Mass Effect One on Insanity, I went I went to Benezia <laughs> way too early with only one save mm-hmm. file, and she just kept Ooh. phasing me through the floor. And I was just like, yeah. you know what, screw this. Yeah. Uh, but they fixed yeah. all that, and 
it almost felt like almost felt like overpowered playing through Mass Effect One on Insanity this time. Mm-hmm. But then I go into Mass Effect Two on Insanity, and it's just like Ooh. I can't even play this. That's <laughs> right. I'm fi- I'm physically my brain is cognitively too aged to play it this way. And I don't know if like like biotics are just super squishy at the start, and it's not the best way to do it. Mm-hmm. But, but um, yeah, I always play as a biotic, yeah. so and they're okay. squishy as hell. So mm-hmm. like I just kept getting killed mm-hmm. by everything, but. But man, what what a game with yeah. DLC too, like yeah. Lair of the Shadow Broker. What an amazing Woo. DLC, Overlord Woo. as well, like underrated. Oh, DLC. Yeah, Overlord's great. The, the, mm-hmm. Yeah, the revelation at the end of that is like at the end of that is harrowing, amazing. like horrible mm-hmm. Har- horror. Yeah, yes. really bad. And um, games often just don't really take those kind of risks now. I feel like everything has to be soft and like you know happy endings so people don't get sad mm-hmm. you know all that kind of thing i agree with but, that um, entirely on a side note that yeah. a lot of games are demanded to end happily yes good point and i feel like it's something the creators are feeling because like i remember kojima saying during i think the e3 stream for jeff Keighley, he was just like yeah you know i don't want to tell a depressing story and i get that to an extent right like something like psychonauts was really refreshing because it handled heavier themes with a lighter touch to them yeah. But I don't understand this idea that like the main character must win. The main character yeah, must succeed. I'm like, good point. Why? Is there I think it's something to do with writing's class, right? Like you have the idea of the hero's journey and the steps they gotta follow and the way that their build is complete. And I'm like, what if they didn't? What if they fucked up and that was it? Right? Like, <laughs> like is that such a bad idea? I don't know. But I, I like uh, that though. I feel like yeah, I like it. It's if you've got a galactic war against giant yeah. robot squids who can eat planets basically people gonna die people maybe gonna die. the main character dies you know it's mm-hmm. it's i th- i feel like games should have that it's, sense of vulnerability yeah. That's why I have and i really hate while we're on the soapbox mm-hmm. i hate mm-hmm. the trend that games insist the player has to be some kind of superhuman god why does every right. game make me into a super badass? Like, mm. fine, some games, fine. They want to be a power fantasy, fine. I like games where, like, you feel like you're on a growth path. Like like mm. World of Warcraft, for example, is, is so ridiculous mm. now that, like, you like in vanilla World of Warcraft, you're like, you're like a foot soldier in the horde. You're nobody. And that, that felt good. I felt like a unit in the RTS, Warcraft 3, whatever. Right. But now, by, nowadays, it's like you are the... The chosen one of the horde, right. liaising oh, yeah, with the yeah, yeah, yeah. With, liaising with the the biggest heroes yeah. and stuff, and it, it just it just feels it almost feels patronizing, like like that mm-hmm. the, like more and more games think the player has to be has um, to be that way, yeah. immune no, to any it. sort of hardship, you know. And yep. um, I get it. I like games that make you feel a bit vulnerable, make you feel like you have to earn your victories. Yeah, and I think that's why, in some ways, it was probably why games like Dark Souls have become so popular recently. It's right. Dark Souls and stuff like that is the antithesis of the you are an immune superhero, superhuman badass who can't be killed by a barrel rolling down a flight of stairs or something. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I went off on a tangent there. It's because it's two a.m. here and I'm starting to get tired. Yeah, yeah, we gotta we're get. Gonna, we're gonna move you along here. <laughs> just, just get crazy. <laughs> I love it. You stuck with us a while. We got one more question, then I'll I'll send you packing. Jordan Carmichael writes in, what's up, fellas? Keeping out of this Halo, uh, keeping Halo out of this conversation, who has more to prove this year between Call of Duty Vanguard and Battlefield 2042? 
personally, I think Battlefield has more to prove still because they haven't been on the top of the people's list um, or people's minds, sorry, when it comes to shooters in the last couple of years, let alone the fact that it is multiplayer only for a, quote, full price tag, end quote. Thank you, guys. DD is great. Our pleasure, Jordan. All right. To conclude things, we have the ultimate comparison that's probably going to be made this fall. Halo will be in that bunch, but for our conversation, it will not be. Who has more to prove right now, Call of Duty or Battlefield? This That's a really good question, actually, because there is backlash to Call of Duty Vanguard because it's World War II again. Mm-hmm. They only recently did World War II. Battlefield did World War II. So there's already there's already this sense of fatigue about revisiting World War II already. So Call of Duty has something to prove. Can they make another World War II game actually feel fresh? So they have something to prove. But also Battlefield has something to prove. Because Battlefield 5 was not great. Mm-hmm. Um, it was decent. Mm. I played it a little bit. I'm a, I'm a big Battlefield guy. Like I'm a huge Battlefield guy. I'm, I'm, nice. I play Call of Duty every now and then, but I tend to mm-hmm. skip them for several years because they don't really make a new game every year. They just reskin an old game. So I, I, I feel like you're going you're gonna to have to earn my purchase. So yeah, I wait a few years. However, I am a fan of the World War II Theater of War. You know, <laughs> so I am very like Call of Duty World at War is my favorite Call of Duty, which wow. I realize is Let's not a popular go. opinion. Same. Wow. Same. That's spicy. That that FG42 and Call of Duty World at War yeah. just was so satisfying to use. No other gun in any Call of Duty has purred. I love like, the MP40 because like it literally looks and sounds like a popcorn machine. <laughs> <laughs> like when the bullets fly out, it just <laughs> pop, pop, pop. Yeah. <laughs> um, like the bouncing, getting killed constantly by bouncing bays too. Oh man. gosh, yeah, classic. But anyway, um, but I think they both have something to prove. But I, I do feel like Battlefield probably has something more to prove because they, they didn't deliver all the Battlefield Five features they said they were going to deliver. They, they had that whole firefight thing, which was just like the biggest fail I've ever seen. <laughs> and EA in general is just like so inconsistent. They're so inconsistent. Mm-hmm. The Frostbite engine's inconsistent. Like. So like, whereas Call of Duty, they sell they sell every year regardless. Call of Duty has, never has anything to prove, ever, because they they could literally put out they could put out Call of Duty Balloon Core Edition, where you shoot balloons out of a, I don't know, balloon. some like you you got a gun that shoots little balloons and <laughs> you have to like burst the balloons with a with another gun or something. They could put that out and people will buy it. And they'd say it was amazing. Well, they wouldn't say it was amazing, but they'd buy it anyway because it's got Call of Duty on it. Oh, they all buy it. Yeah. Call of Duty is almost like a tradition now. It's just a game you buy every yes. year, regardless. It's a ritual. It's a ritual. It's a ritual, yeah. So I do think I think Battlefield's got way more to prove because they don't have a ritual, a ritualistic purchasing aspect to them. Uh, the last few Battlefields were not great. Battlefield, I love Battlefield 1, just for the record. Battlefield 1 was the last yeah. Battlefield I truly, truly played to death. Battlefield 5 was, again, hit and miss. And Firefight was just a, ma- a fail on a massive scale. And um, I actually I actually play Battlefront 2 way more than Battlefield 4, 5, sorry. Yeah, and, Battlefront um, 2 has improved immensely as well. So, Yeah, Battlefront 2 is a is an underrated redemption story, I think. Yeah. Um, they, really, they really worked hard to fix that game. But, but yeah, I think Battlefield's got more to prove. What do you guys think? Yeah. Literally the same thing, man. Uh, Battlefield, it is. The pressure's on. You know, obviously, I think there's been a yearning for the modern setting, I think. And, um, 
you know, they went, they went away for it for a little bit. So I know me personally, you know, I really like the, the goofy gimmicky levolution stuff. And, you know, I, I like the big scale. I'm just more of a battlefield person the big scale, you know, combat war vehicles, you know, that kind of thing. It, it always appealed to me. And I thought the, the trailer showed extremely well. I thought they really did a good job. The thing now is going to be, you know, selling it, you know, presenting itself as a multiplayer only game, whereas we just saw Vanguard and, you know, it looked like a decent, compelling, you know, campaign going on a little bit. It looked decent, you know, kind of more the same, you know, but it had a campaign. So people will say, hey, that may be a full product to them. I don't know if they're doing zombies mm-hmm. and all that stuff again. I'm assuming they are. But Battlefield has the all all the things to prove. They have to get everybody on board. And I'll say something spicy because Maddie's going to like this. But I think they need to consider the Game Pass deal. Or if Microsoft, I know EA probably wants those pre-orders and maybe the price is extremely high, you know, to, to do that kind of a deal. But I think it would be beneficial, you know, for both both of them, you know, for that, for yeah. that user base, for a multiplayer only mm-hmm. game in Game Pass, you know, like, hey, why not? But it'll be interesting to see if they eventually do it. And if they don't do it at launch, because you know at some point it's going to come in there with EA, the relationship yeah, with Microsoft. Right but I'm just curious to see when. You know, is it something last minute like an Outriders or is it something that, you know, first major DLC or the top of the year or something in the spring or whatever of next year. So that's what I got. But I definitely think Battlefield has way, way more to prove. I'm in the other camp. Um, I was not a fan of Battlefield, Battlefield 5, but... I feel like since then, DICE has shown, you know, really with Battlefront, that there's a heartbeat there. And I don't feel like they've missed the mark so often. Uh, I wasn't crazy about Battlefield 4, but I know that's one of the most loved ones. Battlefield 1 landed pretty well for most of us. I liked it a lot. Mm-hmm. I feel like Battlefield 5 was their only real big miss. And even Call of Duty's had their real big misses. In fact, in my opinion, I think they've had pretty more consistent ones. Uh, with like Advanced Warfare, Infinite Warfare, I could go on. I think that there have been a lot of Call of Duty games that have come out and just been not good, not inspired. To me, I'm less concerned about the campaign because Call of Duty's shown some steps forward with that. Like Black Ops Cold War's campaign, I've continued to sing the praises about. It's not going to you know, blow your mind. I mean, I, I was just very genuinely surprised by it. But it to me, it's like, what are you going to show me that's going to, as someone who's in the Jez cycle, where it's like, how are you going to get me out of my see you in a couple of years loop where when you guys truly have made right. your next step forward, like what's going to make me the, the, the purchaser that comes back year by year. Um, because I think part of the reason it's traditionalized is because people just accept it as such and they don't demand more. Right. And we're seeing some pushback from Activision and specifically Blizzard in in ways I think mm-hmm. separate from call of duty, but you know, yes. at the end of the day, I think they've got more approved because I am admittedly biased in one way where I do prefer Battlefield's gameplay style nowadays. I used to love COD growing up. So that's part of it where I know yeah, they've kind of won me, but probably on a global level, it'd, it'd be the opposite for most people. But I think generally speaking to justify selling it to me again, and and if we're to believe reports that have come out that the development for this game has just been horrible, Vanguard, I mean, right. to justify why you've got to hit this holiday window when it's who knows how ready it'll be. I feel like they've got some to, something to prove compared to, to Battlefield, where at least in recency bias, I think Battlefield's coasting along pretty well. They're looking to be strong at mm-hmm. launch. They're doing all the right things. But if we're talking historically, 
for me, DICE has only really missed once and at launch with Battlefront 2. But with Battlefront 2's redemption in tandem with most of their games, I enjoyed a lot. I'm not as concerned as most, but that's where I fall. Oh, okay. That's where I fall. Respect, respect, respect. But we are nearing three and a half hours. No. <laughs> I gotta eat. I gotta urinate. I gotta edit a video yeah. after this too. So yeah, yeah. we got stuff to do, ladies and gentlemen. If you got this deep, I need you to leave a hashtag for us. Trying to try to scrape what one together. Got? It's gotta be about jazz, right? What you got? I, like mayonnaise. Mayonnaise. Xbox mayonnaise. Oh, or DD man. man. <laughs> yeah. DD hashtag DD Mayo. You got this deep mayo, okay. or mayonnaise, or mayo. Mayo is probably easy to spell. Yeah, come on. All right, hashtag DD Mayo. Get us in the comments. Mm. Get us on Twitter. Let us know you finished the show, especially this marathon. Uh, Jez, yes. especially a big thank you to you for not only improving the show, but lending us your thoughts, your opinions, everything. You're more than welcome back. We had a blast. Having thank you, you so much for having me. Of course. And Jez, where can everyone find you? I should have said this at the top of the show, but where can everyone find you if they're looking for more of your content? Yeah, I'm uh, I'm mainly active on Twitter at Jez Corden, J-Z-C-O-R-D-E-N, like James Corden, he who stole my name. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> on windowscentral.com, that website I write for. Nice. <laughs> uh, you can also, if you don't want to, if you don't want to read about the latest update to Skype, you can go to windowscentral.com forward slash gaming to just filter out all the Windows stuff and just get all the uh, Xbox and PC oh, yeah. gaming stuff. So, yeah, thank you. So, thanks, guys, for having me. Of this, course. This has been really fun. Awesome. Good. I'm glad. Tonic, anything you want to close up with or shall I round it up? No, I mean, look, fantastic show. Again, Jez is a legend out here. I have so much mm-hmm. respect for him. Tremendous, tremendous opinions, but what I feel is a very balanced and brutally honest voice in the uh, Microsoft slash Xbox community. He always says what he feels. Even when you disagree, I can't never get mad at Jez. Like, even when I disagree with him, I'm like, you know what, though? But he, he put it in a situation, <laughs> I get it. You know, even when he slandered by Marvel XCOM, but I get it. I see why he does the way that he does. But I uh, salute to him. Great show. Maddie, as always, the Dukes in the building. And yeah, man, I appreciate the love and the, and the comments from everybody and, and the Patreon and Absolutely. stuff like that. But uh, thank you, everyone. All right. Well, with that, we thank you for sitting down with us. We hope you enjoyed our Gamescom special. Be sure to check out Jez, Cog, and myself if you're interested. And until yeah, next nice time, time, we'll catch you with episode 35 of Defining Duke. Take all right care of yourselves. And we'll see you then. All right. Peace out. Peace. Defining Duke, an Xbox podcast, is a product and trademark of Last Stand Media and Collins Last Stand LLC and is recorded from the United States of America. The show is conceived by Matthew Mr. Matty Plays Schroeder and me, Colin Moriarty, and is written and produced by Matthew Schroeder. Matty's co-host is Barry Lord Cognito Eversley. Defining Duke's executive producer is Dustin Furman, and the show is edited by associate producer Ben Smith. All of Last Stand's theme music is by Ramon Narvaez. As you know, all of Last Stand Media's shows, including Defining Duke, are fan-funded on Patreon at patreon.com slash laststandmedia. The following names are at the producer support level on Patreon, and we're thankful for your kindness and generosity.
Andrew Morgan, Stephen Nieder, Ross Marenka, Miguel A. Brewer, Morgan Ashley, Azan, Michael Vecchio, Jerome Ferreira, SLDFMA, Jorge Palomino, Daniel D'Amour, Brad Cooley, Jeremy Key, Patrick Leslie, Tom Quinn, Jordan Mittman, Julian Zhu, Tristan Palacios, Graham Plays, Christian Rodriguez, Jad Rita, Kurt M. Gillenberg, Patrick Skipper, Anthony Fuentes, Sweaty Mitt, John Russell, Chris Kelly, Dustin Graff, Israel Pena, Peyton Stone, Roberto, Josh Howland Rui, Taylor Watkins, Troilus True, Dan Root, Randall Holsey, Robbie Nauman, Nuke Dukum, William Holbert, Landon Pipkin, Dr. Stump, Josh Godfrey, Kalike Souza, Vornak, Betty Ann Moriarty, Callan Lennon, Daniel Johnson, H-Trons, an unofficial controller podcast, Ethan Davies, Jay Getter, Manuel Ochoa, Jeff Mercado, Gregory Slavinsky, Galja, Fortuna, Boots, Tyler Brown, Megadet, Poot, Gavin Newland, Saul Balcazar, Zach Parsley, Raul Melendez, Keegs, Eric Harden, Alex Bolton, Kinnums, Joseph Baker, Rodney Coleman, Chris Moore, Ben B, TB Lightning, Anti Kinnanen, Taylor Barkley, Will Hernandez, Timothy Baylor, Chris Galvin, Mason Cadillac, Ollie Fritz, Evan Dalton, Zach Allen, George Anthony Nunez, Kyle Hagel, Christopher, Colin Love, Daryl E. Naiman, Ryan R. Kittredge, Toby Ryland, Michael S., David Bostick, Stewie 108, D.B. Cooper, Cody Bradbury, Tom Cargill, Richter 86, Steve Hodge, Holfeldian, Ian Bravo, Noah J. Stevens, Barrett Boswell, Andrew Parker, Christopher DeVaio, Chris Morton, Kevin Komaki, Mark Liberto, Johnny Waffles, Roto 24, Blake Israel, Jonathan Coates, Sean Mason, Josh Gravelick, Brian Chan, Jay, Organic Produce, Travis Archuleta, Shane St. Pierre, Carlos Algorit, Richard Hebert III, Miranda Grubba, Josh Yeager, Dan Parsons, Martin Beck, Joey Andrzejczyk, Nathan R., Joe McPartland, Gary Cavallo, Christopher Moore, Brody Rainey, Jacob Bell, Dennis Usel, Eric Finkenbeiner, Lewin Ray Loper, Jonathan Cortez, Dylan Burns, Jason Lusky, Malachi Wall, John Schultz, David Chestnut, Yusuf, Anton K., Brian W. Rath, Alan Tremblay, Tyler Bello, Ryan T. Mandel, Tony Zuniga, Sean Battershaw, Robbie Hensley, Alex Cabrera, Lennon Brixey, James Kinslow III, Hugo's Desk, Peter Reynolds, Anthony Vasquez, Adam Kiniston, William O'Carroll, Jesper Jansen, Phil Crow, Throw Seven, Adam Nix, Josh McKinney, Michael Gates, Alex Gates, Ryan Robertson, Sean Chandler, David Mann, Petro Rose, Lockmore, Gio Corsi, Gerald Pennington, Justin Wagaman, David Iacolucci, Paul Joyce, Chad Lewis, Enrique Perez, Joshua Smallwood, Shane Rayum, Spencer Brand, Don Lee, John Cordero, Keith A. Lewis, Marius Garson Peterson, Ryan Greenwood, Tyler Harris, Matthew Purdue, Patrick Harper, Mad Mock Media, Jonathan Rice, and Casual Misfits Gaming.